This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. They shift out of a shotgun. Sidecar position right, Damian Williams, Mahomes, scrambling to the right side, holding it, puff faking, diving for the far front pylon! Does he have it? Touchdown! Kansas City, Mahomes runs it in! Stretching out the football for the right far front pylon, and the Chiefs answer the block punt for a touchdown with a long drive touchdown. Brady turns, gives to Michelle, runs up the middle, pushing Push. the pile, driving his way into the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots! Wow. Pujolay middle, the 25, breaks left, 15-10, Gurley the touchdown! Foles is in the gun, two-by-two formation. Snap gets off before the two-minute warning. Foles in the pocket, throws, and the ball's intercepted. Go the hands of Jones. Marshawn Lattimore. Yes. Marshawn Lattimore with his second interception of the game. Returns it to the 34. And better than any time this season, Saints, go take a photograph. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Good Sunday morning and welcome into Chicago's Game Day. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. We are here for you. 312-332-3776. If you'd like to talk about the best football day on the calendar, in my opinion. Of course, the Super Bowl is great. Great party atmosphere. But for my money, if you're a football fan, today is the best day on the calendar. It is Conference Championship Sunday, Chris. Jeff, I totally agree with you, and it's not just your opinion. There's a reason they call it Championship Sunday, and it's excellent because we're three games away from the end of the football season, and these are usually the two best ones. I know we get some good Super Bowls from time to time, but how about these matchups today? The Saints and the Rams, which we saw them during the regular season, a fantastic game that I I think was one of the best that we saw during the regular season. And same goes for the Patriots and the Chiefs, and I can't wait for both. Yeah, and even if no matter which team wins... You're still going to get a good Super Bowl because if you look at the projected lines, no matter what the matchup is, the the biggest line is a point and a half. So we've got the four best teams. You've got one and two versus one and two. You've got four of the top five teams in the football power index. These are going to be great matchups. Lots of points scored in the previous matchups this year between these teams. It's going to be a great Sunday. It absolutely is. And I think, Adam, you make an excellent point you have the 13 and 3 New Orleans Saints hosting the 13 and 3 Los Angeles Rams at 205 kicking off and then of course the nightcap the Kansas City Chiefs at 12 and 4 will host the New England Patriots coming in 11 and 5 and they are of course the top two seeds in each conference both had the bye that first week and so now we have some pretty healthy teams now in this conference championship and they they are clearly And have been the four best teams in the NFL all season. I know we're here in Chicago. The hope was that the Bears might find their way with their vaunted defense to be playing this Sunday. They were not. That's okay. It seems like they're a year ahead of schedule. We hope at least. So, but if you go back all the way to week 8, 9, 10, it was pretty clear there was a line of delineation amongst the best teams in football, and these four were clearly a cut above everybody else at that point, and it is, at least if you're a football fan, setting aside our Bears bias, it is good to see 
we have such compelling matchups on both si- in both sides of the you bracket. Make, you make a good point because if you take a look at the Chicago Bears, probably them and the Los Angeles Chargers are the two only other teams throughout the regular season that you could say, oh, that team maybe popped into the top four. Maybe they are one of the top two teams in the NFL. Outside the Bears and the Chargers, you're right, Jeff. These are the four best teams in the NFL, especially as of late with the Patriots, because there were times this season where the Patriots, metric-wise, if you take a look at all the analytical data that we have heading into these matchups, they didn't quite match up to what KC, the Rams, and the Saints were doing. Now they kind of do in the last couple weeks based on the way they just tore apart the Chargers last week. You guys haven't even mentioned the best part. You guys, stats, scores, records, Point spreads, I mentioned that. Whatever. That stuff doesn't matter. You've got the old guard versus Uh, the young guns. You've got Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes. Not really technically against each other, but you know whatever. what I mean. We, they, whatever, you know what I if, mean. If you're listening whatever to Sports I mean. Talk Radio, you so, understand what yeah, you mean. You've got Drew Brees. <laughs> you got the the young Sean McVay. I mean, you've got this is perfect. Yeah. What's gonna be what is going to triumph? The young millennials or the old guard? And uh, we we will get to some of the uh, Cubby Con from uh, the weekend. We'll oh, talk some Cubs baseball today. Oh, yeah. We will also address the Chicago Bulls. We've got uh, maybe a minute or two at some point during the show. <laughs> we'll carve out uh, for, to, for uh, the worst team in basketball these days. Yeah, the, to, the laughing stock oh, to address the uh, shameful yesterday. loss last night and the comments from Zach Levine. Uh, so it's all interesting that we can get to and and the football conversation, Abdal. I think that's uh, where I'd like to start when we look at this whole thing because it is. One of those things where we take a look, especially in the AFC, moving forward, I would imagine that a lot of people are sick of the Patriots. Uh, I am. Not because I hate them or anything else, but you I just... Tom Brady jersey. Yeah, we've seen it, though. Like, like I'm okay, and I'm all right moving on. Sometimes we have greats in sports who we just can't, uh, you know, twist the rag enough to get enough... Uh, can we get more from the greatness, right? Uh, but... I've seen enough from Belichick and Brady. I would like to see Kansas City win today just because I want to see something new and exciting for the Super Bowl. I feel like that same song and dance, we've seen it so many different times from the Patriots. I don't think that's like a hater take, but I think a lot of people watching that game tonight, they're going to say to themselves, you know what, come on, let's let's see Kansas City actually get into the Super Bowl for once. I feel that way about the AFC. I want to see Mahomes. I want to see the Chiefs. But I feel the opposite way about the NFC. I want to see Drew Brees. And I want to see the Saints because for some reason, I just don't care about the Rams right now. Like, I don't, like, I get it. They've got Sean McVay. They've got Todd Gurley. They've got the best defensive player in the league. But for some reason, as far as storylines go, going into the Super Bowl and something we have to talk about for the next two weeks after today, I just don't care about the Rams. Well, you know, it's weird. I, I, I don't want, I don't think it's weird. I agree with you to some extent. While the Rams, I don't know if it was at what point in the season, it may have been. It may have been on Sunday night when the Bears shut down the Rams and Jared Goff proved himself a bit of an imposter in terms of an elite quarterback. There was, there was, look, there was discussion that Jared Goff might be in the MVP conversation up until that night. Yep. When the Bears Mm -hmm. rendered him basically, they neutered him out there on Soldier Field and all of a sudden, the Rams lost a lot of luster. That offense is fun. Sean McVay is great. Everybody who knows him gets a coaching job. But the reality is, they the shines off them a little bit. In terms of the Saints, too, they have one Super Bowl. It's not like it's year in and year out. Drew Brees and Sean Payton. 
are, look, they're always great offensively, but we've seen several seasons, you know, we're talking three, four, five years where the defense was an absolute atrocity. And the reality was they were scoring a lot of points, but they weren't dangerous in the playoffs. And so I think that's part of it is that the Drew Brees, Sean Payton storyline is not necessarily tiresome to most most mm-hmm. NFL observers. Yeah, and I think that for some reason, I don't know if it's it's the golf angle, but I, I don't think that there there's not a Bears like defense remaining in the playoffs. They're not going to see anything like that. It's basically going to be who scores, who's got the ball last, essentially in both of these games. So, to me, it, that's why I'm. That might be why I don't care about the Rams. Is the whole the whole golf angle because he's obviously the worst quarterback out of the four remaining. He. Uh, it is sometimes a liability to the team. You know, they, their better player is their running back. And so if they're just going to feed Todd Gurley the entire game, then it's going to be kind of boring. So to me, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to see them in the Super Bowl. Well, I don't want to talk it, about the Rams for two weeks. Well, I mean, it's not boring when their offensive line just mauls the other team. And no, I think that's, that's true. That's where you get to the Todd Gurley for MVP stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense because their offensive line, not only did they play every game together, they were healthy the entire year, but they were fantastic on top mm-hmm. of it. So like that allows both of those players, Todd Gurley and Jared Goff, to excel, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact that Goff can stand back there and he's not getting hit around like a rag doll, that's part of the reason why he looks so bad against the Chicago Bears. If he can stand tall in the pocket, they can use the play action, they can go down the field and then allow Todd Gurley to run the ball. To me, that's not boring. Play action football is not boring. And that's what the Rams do best. Well, and look, the part of the brilliance of Sean McVay, the reason that everybody who is surrounded by him is a candidate for a head coaching job in the NFL is because his offensive scheme is brilliant. Look, they're in 11 personnel more than any other team in the NFL. What does that do? Well, you've got three wide receivers on the field. That allows them to match up against defenses in the sense that if Todd Gurley, in terms of like running backs who are out there more than anybody else, ran against the least number of eight-man boxes in the league. We're talking about one of the most dynamic runners in football. And part of the reason we look at him that way is because he's facing... He's either running against nickel or seven-man fronts. He's never seeing eight men in the box because Sean McVay knows that if you're going to put eight in the box, we're going to go play action, and that's where Jared Goff excels. Sean McVay actually talked earlier this week about the difficulty playing in New Orleans, but he's confident that Jared Goff will not be overwhelmed. I don't think any moment's too big for him. I think he's just going to go about his normal weekly rhythm this week. Uh, Certainly, we don't shy away from, you know, what is at stake in in terms of what we can accomplish, but we also know what a great challenge it is. But I just think that, you know, like you've heard us say over and over, he really doesn't allow himself to get too high, too low. I don't ever really feel like any moment's too big for him. And then Jared Goff also talked about how he admires his counterpart, Drew Brees. He's been there, he's done it, and um, does it the right way. It seems like every year, and it seems like he's only getting better. And, you know, admire how long he's done it for and, you know, what a high level he's done it for and the way he leads and the way he goes about his business, the way he works, and um, everything he does is, is so admirable. And, um, yeah, you'd love to win this game to, to try to, to try to jump into that type of category with, you know, winning a couple more. But, um He's a great player and a guy I have a lot of respect for. Rams quarterback Jared Goff there. Again, we will be breaking down conference championship Sunday all day long up until noon. Starting at 9.30, we'll talk with Matt Mascana of ESPN Baton Rouge. He will give us the latest, the temperature of what it's like right now in New Orleans on a conference championship Sunday. Mm-hmm. Someplace, we, uh, a spot where we hope to be as a city next year. That'd be great. huh? Bears hosting a Absolutely. championship conference game on uh 
Would love to do that. It'd be really cold today. It'd be chilly. Yeah. It's a good point, Abdallah. We'd have to wear layers. If you want to know what it's like, if you want to know what it's like in Kansas City, go outside. Yeah. That's what it's like in Kansas City right now. It's literally the same temperature. 312-332-3776 if you'd like to share your thoughts on what exactly you're excited about today on Conference Championship Sunday. And I think that if you look at the other side, the other matchup in the AFC, I want to see the Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think overall they're the better team. If you look at the Patriots, they've struggled on the road. They're three and five on the road. They they average eleven less points per game on the road this season than they do at home. Uh, it, of course, it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, so you know they're going to have a response. And if you look at the the first matchup between these teams earlier this season. It was a late field goal that won the game for the Patriots. It, there was, I think there was one punt in the entire game uh, between the two teams. So it's going to be, I think it's still going to be a high-scoring game uh, despite the weather. Uh, it was supposed to be like negative 20 or something like that, and now it's going to be like it is here. So they're not, I mean, it's still going to be cold, but ultimately it's not as cold as it was supposed to be. So you still be able to, should, should be able to see a, a good offense from both teams, but I'm on the other side where I was talking about the Saints and the uh, and the Rams. I want to see the young quarterback win. It's not so much that I'm sick of the Patriots. I think I just I just like the Chiefs. I like the story of the Chiefs more. I like Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sick of the Patriots because ultimately I enjoy watching greatness. It's like I enjoy watching the Warriors. I enjoy seeing dynasties and watching greatness happen because ultimately we're not going to have this for very much longer. We're not going to have this Patriots dynasty for that much longer. So enjoy it while while we have it because we're, we're watching the best ah, quarterback ever. watching the best no. coach and the best quarterback ever play. I agree. I agree with that and I think you could also make the argument that we're watching the best professional athlete we've ever watched and I know that you look at someone like Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and you'd say okay well it's a different generation. I think in this generation the conversation is going to come down between Tom Brady, LeBron James and who else? Those are probably going to be the two that we all talk about right? And I think Tom Brady, you can make the argument that we are watching not only the greatest quarterback in NFL history, the greatest athlete of the generation, based on the fact that whenever you think it's done, he wins again. Mm-hmm. And he always wins. And there's a good chance they could win today. And um, a couple of things to add to what you were saying, Abdallah. Uh, 21 degrees at 6 o'clock is what is expected for Kansas City. So it's not the Arctic chill that uh, everyone projected earlier in the week. And then also, when you look at the matchup, I also question this. That game, Kansas City and New New, uh, New England earlier in the year, after that loss for the Chiefs, 43-40 Sunday night football. I said mm-hmm. to myself after that game, I think Kansas City is the best team in football, even though they lost that mm-hmm. game. And part of the reason is it's tough to go on the road and win in the NFL. And the way they hung in there in the second half, and they kept hanging back to the Patriots. And I know the Patriots are good, but that was the turning point to me in my head that I said, you know what, the stats are telling us that they're probably the best team in football. But after watching that game and seeing what Patrick Mahomes did under pressure and in that spot from behind, they are clearly the best team in football. And I think today... Being at home in this situation, I think, makes a big difference when you see these two teams match up. That's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Miller, along with Adam Abdallah. This is Chicago's Game Day here on ESPN 1000. You mentioned the weather. Andy Reid, not overly concerned about it. Yeah, it's never too cold for the Chiefs fans. They, uh, they'll, they'll be there, and uh, that's, a, that's a great thing uh, about the Sea of Red, man. They're loud, and they show up all the time, so they'll be ready to go. Both games taking place at Arrowhead and in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, you have two of the best home field advantages across football. So no doubts 
if either the Patriots or Rams get behind, they will have their work cut out for them. And Andy Reid, who we just heard there, I'll tell you what. I think he's been in our lives now for so long as an NFL head coach. He's been around since the you know late 80s, early 90s as a coordinator for the Packers under Mike Holmgren. So we, we've known Andy Reid for virtually, it feels like forever, if you are a football fan at this point. And I'll tell you what. Sometimes, I'm sure this is a story a lot of people are familiar with, but sometimes things, time passes and things slip your mind or you just don't focus on them nearly as much. I will tell you what. Kent Babb for the Washington Post today wrote a, an extensive piece about Andy Reid and his fight for a Super Bowl. And in it, there's like, look, uh, I don't know how many people recall, but Garrett Reid, Andy Reid's son, died. And it will, it's, look, for a any parent out there, just having to think about the idea of losing a child is absolutely excruciating. And so to know that Andy Reid has gone through that, the piece in the Washington Post, just if 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 you have if you if you are trying to decide who to root for, go ahead and read this, and then tell me you're not going to be an honorary Chiefs fan today because this tugs at the heartstrings. And when you look on the other side of the football at all that Belichick and Reid have accomplished, I'm telling you. Uh, this just makes you want Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to win that much more because you just feel for Andy Reid everything he's lost in his life, partially because of all the time he's invested as a fo- as a head football coach and just the 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 you know it's it's a brutal and excruciating thing to go for go through mm-hmm. and for. Uh, Kent Babb to write extensively about it today and really kind of lay it out for you. I mean, it, like I said, it tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, no doubt. And I, you know, it's just unless you're from Boston or you live in Boston, I, I would imagine most of the country is going to be pulling against the Patriots today. I understand Abdallah's point. You like watching great greatness. You want to see you can, greatness. We can appreciate you it. You can mm-hmm. appreciate but it's time to move on. And there, I think also is this element of the way they're doing it as in the Chiefs, mm-hmm. the way they're winning, how Mahomes is making it look so easy. He's doing the unthinkable on the football field. The no-look the no passes, the throw where he's bending his arm around defenders and getting it to the receiver. All of this stuff has an element, and I, I know it was written about uh, earlier in this week, it has an element of the Warriors mm-hmm. for the NBA, where Golden State kind of broke the mold, and they did their own thing and had their own... Uh, path of greatness where Kansas City hasn't gotten there yet but I could see it if they do win the Super Bowl this year where now it's this different thing right Andy Reid as as Jeff was saying he's been great for decades in the NFL he just hasn't won the Super Bowl like that's the only thing that's missing he's gotten there he's had multiple teams get to the playoffs he's had different quarterbacks he's had bad quarterbacks he's had good quarter you know like he's, he's had he's had multiple coordinators off of his his coaching tree yeah. go on and win the Super Bowl sure. while he always comes up just a bit short so mm-hmm. and then now he finally has the prodigy right like he has the next great player in the NFL under his tutelage. And I think it's novel and fun to watch Kansas City play football, and especially if they dismantle New England. People are going to really enjoy that. Mm. And I I think outside of Boston fans, people that live in New England, uh, I think outside of that, the rest of the country would really go for the Chiefs winning today. Well, yeah, there's... There are a few things that I enjoy watching, and one of them is an angry Tom Brady on the sideline, just like yelling at receivers, yelling at people, and then you see uh, how Bill Bel- <clears throat> excuse me how Bill Belichick is going to respond in those situations, and 
Sorry. And it'll be great to see. It's going to be a great. It's, it'll be a great matchup. Andy Reid against Bill Belichick. I, I I think that what you have to see also is is that, that quote passing of the torch. The Chiefs and the Rams are both going to be here for a while. Like we don't think this is going to be the last shot that Andy Reid and that Sean McVay have at a Super Bowl with these two quarterbacks and these two teams that they have together. But it could be the Saints' last chance. It could be the Patriots' last chance. So whether you're cheering for greatness or whether you're cheering for a passing of the torch or whatever it is, ultimately you're going to get them a, a, a great matchup in the Super Bowl. That, But you'll still see these two teams, the Rams and the Chiefs, in this for a few years, wow. I believe. So sign you up for a uh, Saints-Patriots Super Bowl? No, 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 no. I already <laughs> said I want Saints and Chiefs. All right, just making sure. <laughs> Saints uh, and Chiefs. The compelling matchup, I think, in, that, in the AFC Championship game will be what can Bill Belichick scheme up against a great talent like Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I think he's a great player on a great team that's very well coached. They have a great scheme and a great system. He's got a ton of weapons, so it'll be tough to handle as well their entire offense, as well their entire team. So we'll need our best game. We'll need our best effort. And... Uh, that's what we're preparing to give. He'll always give you a verbose answer, no doubt, Bill Belichick. You know, that's fantastic. Uh, saying absolutely nothing, uh, doing it with no enthusiasm, and just using all of his energy and being to be a football coach. There's no, he has nothing for the media. He's nothing for you, the sports fan. He if you're a football fan, Belichick does not care about you. All he cares about is coaching football, and, and I appreciate that. And winning football games. He was asked earlier this week if he still gets nervous before big games. Nervous, yeah. Sure. That you want to go out there and do well. There's an anxiety. We all have things in the game that we have to do. You want to perform them well, not let your team down, because um, everybody's counting on you to do your job. You're counting on everybody else to do theirs. Uh, you don't worry about everybody else. You just worry about doing what you can do and make sure you don't screw up what you're supposed to do, be responsible for, because nobody else can do that. That's your job, and we all have jobs to do. So. And we all want to do them well. Longer, but still simplistic. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I don't know what Bill Belichick's doing before games to find his zen. I don't mm-hmm. think he's doing like a downward dog or a, a what? Uh, some yoga or something oh. like that to, to find himself. I think he just looks at himself in the mirror. He puts on the hoodie. He turns into uh, the Emperor from Star Wars and uh, goes out there and well, tries to just crush souls. So the 30 for 30 with uh, Parcells mm-hmm. and Belichick, like it. If you are just the casual sports fan and just want to hate on the Patriots because they always win, uh, do yourself a favor and watch that or consume the uh, football life on the NFL Network of Bill Belichick. Sure. Like, there's a reason he's the smartest person in football. Like, he has the ability to go back decades and think about things that were designed to stop defenses in the 80s, the 90s, even past the 80s, that he remembers to implement. And it, it, that is the reason why they've been so great. He, Tom Brady's been fantastic, but the ability for Belichick to, to dive into football history sure, and to he, bring things to the forefront to stop a great offense, that's why you know Mahomes and, and Reed are going to have to bring their best today to beat the Patriots. That experience gives him, him an extensive library to draw upon, which most coaches cannot do. All right, uh, again, we're talking plenty of football today. Uh, Matt Mascana of ESPN Baton Rouge joins us next to give us a little bit more in-depth in what the Saints may have in store for the Rams. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Jeff Meller right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'd say it has a lot to do with the character, toughness, and intelligence of the guys that we have. 
Um, a huge credit to Mickey Loomis, our GM, our scouting department, Jeff Ireland, Sean Payton, and all those involved with going out and finding the right type of guys, whether that be through the draft or uh, through free agency. Um, you know, those have been key contributors for us, not just last year, but this year. And the way that uh, a lot of those maybe first or second year players grew from last year to this year. Uh, the mindset coming off of that tough loss at Minnesota last year, you know, where I th we felt like we were hitting our stride right at the right time and, you know, on our way to another championship game and um, to bounce back and, and, and to, be, to become stronger as a result of that um, and to come back stronger this season, I, th I think says a lot about the type of guys we have. Um, and, and obviously the talent as well. You know, we're a talented young team that I feel like can continue to, to improve and get better. Drew Brees there, and I thought that was some really interesting insights as to just how last season's devastating loss, the miracle inside, uh, the miracle at Minnesota, was just how it kind of fueled them to put them in place where maybe they find themselves down last week, fourteen to nothing against the Eagles, and it very easily look. It's the playoffs; you don't want to fold up, but maybe they could have. And perhaps they were able to draw upon what happened last year and how devastating it was to fight back. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. This is Chicago's Game Day here on ESPN 1000, talking lots of football today as we get set for Conference Championship Sunday. You mentioned the Saints being down 14 nothing, and God bless live betting, because <laughs> when, when that happened, Abdallah, how about that? Uh, did you jump on the Saints when they were down 14 nothing? I did not. I mean, the odds completely swung in the favor. If you were a Saints backer in that game, Ooh, baby, I was getting points. Kudos, that? kudos to you, Chris, because oh. I'm not going to lie. Had had Marshawn Lattimore not intercepted that pass, it, was it early in the second when they were trailing 14 to nothing? It was inside. It was in the. It was you know. It was in Saints territory. Uh, has he, if he doesn't intercept that pass, it feels like yeah. the Eagles' magic actually extends an extra week. But well, that, it, that interception was critical. It's all about sticking with what you believe heading into the game. And you know that a team like that, so good, the Saints, have the ability to come back. And they can score so many points. So I just assumed at some point they would come back. Mm -hmm. And like, come on. The, the, the Eagles were a bit flimsy the last couple of weeks. Even though they won, they got to that point a bit flimsy. It's not like they were crushing their opponents. But let's be real. So that, that's where I jumped on the Saints there in the first quarter because they were down 14 nothing. You were getting points. Live betting, it's the way to go. And take advantage of the, the, the points there. Come on. We've got uh, your gambling fix covered about an hour from now. We'll talk with Colin Wilson of the Action Network. But first... Let's take the temperature of the city of New Orleans as we go down to Matt Mascana of ESPN Baton Rouge joining us now. Matt, uh, what's it like in the city of New Orleans as you guys get set to host a championship game? Uh, well, you could barely walk 50 feet without hearing Chapa style from some bar or establishment <laughs> around the city right now, which is about par for the course. It, it's, it's lit. I mean, I think most people realize for, for Drew Brees, this could be his last shot, and realistically coming into this season every move the saints have made have pointed to this end they they moved up in the draft to get marcus davenport they traded a draft pick to get teddy bridgewater 
They traded a draft pick to get Eli Apple. They essentially fortified every hole they had to win now. They have been all in as a franchise, as a fan base, as a city to win Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. And this feels like, and this feels like the, the inevitable end that this whole season was pointing towards. So go, go take care of business for three hours and, and reach your goal. Matt, is it realistic to believe that if they play in the Super Bowl either way, could this be Drew Brees' last season? I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, and a lot of people have asked that question, and I get it, because there's sort of the Elway feel to it. The difference is, or even the Peyton Manning feel from just a few years ago, the difference is Peyton Manning was basically playing with one arm. And Brees just had his most efficient season of his career at age 40. He still loves to play. And the other thing to consider as well is the young core that the Saints have right now, it's very similar to what the Seahawks had built when they went to back-to-back Super Bowls. They drafted so well, and they had so many elite players on rookie deals. And for that team, it was Russell Wilson, and it was Earl Thomas, and you had Michael Bennett and Cam Chancellor. I mean, you had all of those guys in the, the Legion of Boom. When you look at the Saints, I mean, Drew Brees is supplemented by guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams and Ryan Ramchick, and all these guys are on rookie contracts. So there's no reason to think that they won't be in this position, at least competing to be in this position again next year. So when, when this run ends, when they start having as a front office to make a decision, okay, who do we pay? Uh, that's when I could see Drew stepping out, but it's really hard for me to imagine him leaving this situation now because he's playing so well and they're going to be really good again next year. What's been the key for the uh, Saints' pass defense uh, improving as of late as we head towards the playoffs this season? Well, it's a, that's a great question, especially if you understand the context of how the season started. When they lost, I mean, they lost their home opener to a really bad Tampa team, 48-40, to and Ryan Fitzpatrick lit him up for almost 500 yards. But Marshawn Lattimore got healthy, and then the trade for Eli Apple was a big part of it. Um, they realized that every game that they played where they had a two-headed monster receiver, like the Tampa game I mentioned, where you had Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, well, Lattimore could only guard one side of the field, and then it was sort of, you know, who's up? Is it Ken Crowley? Is it, you know random guy off the street the next week, that, that's when they went and made the trade for Eli Apple. And he's had some good games and he's have, had some rough games, but that's been a big part of it. The other part of it is the Saints have found an awesome pass rush. I mean, they're in the top three in the NFL in sacks this year. And in part, that's because Cam Jordan's awesome and had a great year, but they got a great pass rush inside from Sheldon Rankins, which I know we could probably talk about, but because he brought me towards Achilles. But he was second on the team in sacks this year. And obviously, if you're able to affect the quarterback in in the backfield, it's going to aid your secondary. And that was a big part of of this defense who are playing in tandem this year. Took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you how they are going to deal with the loss of Sheldon Rankins. So that's huge. I mean, it's don't let anybody understate that. I mean, there's it's fine and good to say next man up, but realistically, when the guy who just went down is a first round draft pick who was as efficient and dominant an interior lineman as there is in the league this year. And I, with all respect to Aaron Donald, and, I, and he, I think he's amazing. Sheldon Rankins was special this year. Just a lot of people don't, don't know about him. Um, they, they, you don't really replace him. They'll, they'll play David Onyemata. Uh, he's a former third-round pick. He was, play, he was out of Canada. And he had to sort of learn to play at this level. But he's a bull. I mean, he's a guy who's really effective against the run. 
he's not going to give the Saints the pass rush inside that Rankins did. And they also went and signed Tyron Walker sort of off the street this week. He uh, had been with the Saints for a while, so it makes sense that he knows he knows the system, he knows Dennis Allen, he knows the personnel, and they know him. So that makes it seamless, but, but they, don't, they don't have a Rankins. It's, it's not like it's just next man up and equal that production. So that's, that's the interior of that Saints defensive line is definitely worth watching today. Matt Miscana of ESPN Baton Rouge joining us here on ESPN 1000. Matt, we have a bit of a blueprint to look at because in week nine, these two teams squared off at the Superdome, and the Saints won handily, 45-35. It seemed like, even though it was a shootout, it seemed like the Saints were kind of always in control for the most part, and it was done so with Sean Payton absolutely torching Marcus Peters. Do you anticipate, with so much trash talk going on, that uh, that will be the same plan today, or will we uh, see a bit more diversification from Sean Payton? Yeah, I will be, in, well, if, look, if you, can, if you can feed Michael Thomas, you feed Michael Thomas. Uh, I don't think there's any question. It's just the, I will be interested to see what Wade Phillips does. So Wade won't typically assign one defensive back to a receiver. It just so happens that the way the Saints schemed it, they had Thomas on Peter's side most of the day, and obviously 12 catches, 211 yards or whatever it was. I mean, it was, a, it was his best day as a pro, and it was awesome. There was no Akeem to leave that day, so that matters. I will be very interested to see if the Rams play more man-to-man and put Tlaib on Thomas, so you have sort of that bigger physical corner. I, the, the other part of that, though, is Ted Ginn didn't play in that first game, and Ted Ginn's such an important part of what the Saints do offensively because as long as Sean Payton's been in New Orleans, they've always had that guy that could stretch the field that you just had to respect over the top. If you, I mean, y'all, when I came on, you guys were talking about last week against Philly. The first play of the game, the interception, they were going deep to Ted Ginn, and he was open. Breeze just underthrew the ball. That's, I mean, that's the type of dimension that he brings to the game, and, and that was absent when these two teams played the last time. So I, I'll be interested to see. My, my guess is Wade Phillips will not just blanket uh, Michael Thomas with one guy. Um, but if you play zone against the Saints offense, man, like they're just so good. Breeze and Thomas are so good at finding the soft spots, and he'll take he'll take the eight yard underneath. He'll take the twelve yard cross. I mean, he will he will take what you give him mercilessly. I mean, you saw that on that that you know, eighteen play touchdown drive the Saints had last week. It just if you give it to him underneath, he will be patient and efficient, and he will take it and he will chew you up. And if it takes eighteen plays, it's what it'll take. And you know, guys, there's a reason they're sitting here at 14-3 and three and hosting the NFC Championship game. They're just – this is as, as good as the Saints have played on both sides of the ball since the Peyton Breeze era, and they're going to be really tough to beat today. Over the course of the last five weeks of the regular season, to me it seemed like Drew Breeze was struggling at points. I was wondering if, Matt, down in New Orleans, was that a topic of conversation with you and your listeners throughout the week? No, not Breeze. I mean, Breeze has been awesome this week. The offense at, at points has struggled. And that is directly correlated with, with the, the injuries on the offensive line. I, and I get offensive line injuries don't typically get headline, you know, headline news. But during the final month of the season, every one of their starting five on the offensive line at some point missed time. And they've got everybody back now, but they're still not 100%. And, and like, for example, Andrews Pete, their starting left guard, who really controlled – 
Dominican Sue in their first matchup in this in this game. He broke his hand in week 17. Nobody knew about it. He had surgery in their on their open date, and he had four penalties against him last week, and it was evident. I mean, these guys playing basically with one hand. Uh, you know, Teron Armstead, who when he was healthy this year was playing at an all-pro level, he tore his pectoral in week seven or eight and just came back for, for week 16 and then re-aggravated it. it. So my point is, you asked about Breeze and the inefficiency in the offense. It wasn't Breeze. His his efficiency numbers were still there. I mean, he wasn't throwing picks, and he was still completing passes, but he had seen more pressure, and they weren't running the ball as efficiently, and the, and that's basically because of all the injuries on the offensive line. So if there's one, like literally one thing that might give Saints fans some sort of trepidation today, it's, it's that. It's the health of the offensive line going against that Rams defensive front. Matt, I don't want Chapa style to stop playing. I want it to, to go to Atlanta. Should the Saints move on, who do you think is the better matchup for them in the Super Bowl? I will never, ever, ever say that I want to see Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on the other sideline. So I would give, give me the first-year starting quarterback and the, the head coach who has been a great regular season coach throughout his career but has never gotten it done in the playoffs. I the, the better matchup, of course, the answer is anybody but Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So I'd, I'd rather see the Saints play the Chiefs. I think that would be a, a fun matchup. And sort of just as an aside, if the Saints do make it to the Super Bowl, the fact that the Saints, a huge storyline here, is the Saints would have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl in Atlanta. And, of course, the Saints and the Falcons are just hated, bitter rivals forever. And there was the big story this week where the Atlanta mayor came out and said anybody but the Saints, who you know, who she wanted in a, in the Super Bowl. So it's... That's that's playing a ton here as well, which would be a really cool storyline if it if it transpires. Matt, as we spring you one last question here from a nerdy football level. So down there in New Orleans, do you ever have do do fans question Sean Payton ever for his overuse of Taysom Hill, or does everyone absolutely defer to the offensive genius? It, you can't say never, right? Because it's if fans are going to question why in certain moments. Um, but don't you kind of have to defer just because he found Taysom Hill mm-hmm. and found a way to to innovate and add this? You know, after 13 years of Peyton and Breeze, they found this wrinkle, and they'll actually take a Hall of Fame quarterback off the field to put him in. It's it's it, look. There's there's absolutely going to be plays where you'll go. Why did you let the backup quarterback throw that pass when you've got a Hall of Famer? right there um but at the same time man that it's kind of the you take the good with the bad with mm-hmm. Peyton's aggression you know it's it, it's the it's that same mentality which is why he would attempt an onside kick to start the second half in the super bowl it's just it's what sean payton does no no doubt about it. it matt we appreciate the time <laughs> this morning uh thanks for giving us the insight down there we will be uh watching and uh, i think for the most part the panel here is kind of rooting for the saints so we've adopted you guys so good luck We'll take it. Thanks, guys. That is Matt Mascana of ESPN Baton Rouge joining us on Chicago's NFL Game Day here on ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah with you until noon. Coming up at 10 o'clock, we will talk to our NFL analyst, Tom Waddle. You may have yes. heard of him, of Waddle and Sylvie fame. He yes. had an opportunity to talk with Theo Epstein on Friday, and it was a very enlightening interview. Oh. We're going to play you a little chunk from Theo, and then we'll bring in Tom Waddle at 10 o'clock to react to that and... Break down both championship conference games 
here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. Chicago's Game Day here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Adam Abdallah and Chris Bleck. If you want to share your thoughts with us on this championship Sunday, 312-332-3776, or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Jeff underscore Meller. There's at Chris Black and there's at Adam A. Abdallah. You can reach us that way as well. All right, gents. So as Cubs Con wraps up this weekend, Theo Epstein joined Waddle and Sylvie. And Waddle will be joining us at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock here. We'll give Tom a chance to react to his Theo Epstein interview as he's had a few days to digest it now. And also, again, break down those conference championship games. But... Theo uh, shared his frustration about the quiet or about fans being frustrated with this quiet off season. You know, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the season, and and you know, we spent the last few days having meetings and talking about you know the the tremendous ta- tremendously talented players that we do have, and 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 all the different adjustments that they're making to try to write a different ending uh, to the season next year and go out and learn from the mistakes that we made last year and have better individual and. A collective seasons in 2019, but look, of course, uh, I'm not I'm not deaf to this. Like from 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 a fan standpoint, I, I completely get how um, there there are questions and, and legitimate questions about our off season. The only thing we can do um, in, in the winter, we're not playing games, we're not playing hard, we're not we're not winning ball games. The only thing we can do for the fans is add players, and when you don't add as many players as as you typically do, and that's where we are at this juncture in the off season, then. There's going to be some questions, and there may be some disappointment. And you know, it, it, I I welcome it. I think it's awesome. I, I look forward to meeting them tomorrow and, and trying to answer every single question that I can. I think they deserve it. I think um, when you can have this degree of, of scrutiny and, and 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 this amount of questions after a 95 win season, it tells me that um, first of all that our fans are as passionate about baseball and winning and the Cubs as I am which which I really appreciate and it also tells me that standards have been raised around here which is which is a really really good thing and it, and it tells me that they like the feeling of being on top and a lot of these fans waited decade after decade after decade some of them the better part of a century to, to have that feeling of being consistently one of the best teams in baseball and making history and winning a World Series and they like the feeling of being on top, and they want to stay there, and that's how we want them to feel. So if they have questions or they don't feel quite as secure about that as, as, as they want to or they're disappointed by a lack of activity, God, that's a, that's a good thing, and they, they deserve to ask us some questions. Giving you the uh, – yeah, look, Theo, whenever you hear him speak, if you're a Cubs fan, you have to be, I think, heartened because you know your franchise is in the best hands possible. But that doesn't mean that if you want Bryce Harper or you want the Cubs to be in on Bryce Harper, you're going to get that. I get the frustration that he gets, Mm -hmm. that the fan base may be frustrated that they didn't add anyone flashy or big this offseason. But the reason people feel that way is you win 95 ball games and the majority of your core seems to be slipping from what they were in 2016. So it's not because... Cup fans are ungrateful or they're not appreciating what 
you have with the core that you have right now. It's that many of those players underperformed last season, and they kind of underperformed the year before that. And then you kind of look at it as a whole, and you're like, man, we won 95 games, but is that going to be enough to actually win another championship? That's where the frustration comes from. Well, it's, it's also frustrating to hear Theo say at the end of the season presser that the offense was broken and that they need to find a way to fix the offense. Two of the best offensive players in baseball, MVP candidates, are available, and you're not even talking to them. Like, that's, that's where yeah, I right. see the frustration. I, yeah. Like, you're not adding to the offense. When you said the offense was broken, all you're doing is changing or- a hitting coach and hoping the philosophy philosophy changes but i can i can see where he's coming from too because you've got supposedly some of the best players in the league the best assortment of players in the league on this team that are supposed to be hitting their prime years right now so i can understand where they feel like their guys should be performing as well how about this one how about not even the two big names how about find a leadoff hitter mm-hmm. you know people people say oh the offense was broken this side and the yeah. other cup fans say all off all season Find a leadoff hitter. How about go out and find a leadoff hitter for the squad? Miss Dexter Fowler. Come out, coming up next, we will talk with uh, the man who conducted that interview, or one of the participants, Tom Waddle, joins us next to react to Theo and also discuss two championship games in the NFL. This is ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's game day. Garcia's home. Hanson scores. Sox win. What a comeback. Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of for the rookie. Back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. We're talking lots of football with you today as the conference championship games take precedence, no doubt. We're also keeping our eye on an 11.30 puck drop. I know Chris no, Black and Adam Abdallah no, are curious not. to see what happens as the Hawks host the Washington Capitals today at 11.30. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll go blue line to blue line and uh, shout out to Pat Boyle. Absolutely. absolutely. PB no, got the uh, pucks. Na- national Come on, Abdallah. Get national broadcast. For the hey, company. hey, listen. Here come the Hawks, Abdallah. Listen, Take listen, that. listen. Pucks and uh, Bellinis. Hey, man. We've got, brunch. We've probably, pucks and Bellinis. <laughs> it's a new show. Sunday morning pucks, pucks and bellinis. We've probably got a lot of uh, Hawks fans who are heading on down right now. I couldn't think of a, P, uh, a brunch P word. Pastry? Nah, eh, I'm not a pastry guy for breakfast, really. Panini? No, panini's wait, 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 breakfast Wait, wait, wait. if you're not a pastry guy for breakfast, when are you a pastry guy? Not breakfast. Are waffles, are chicken and waffles a pastry? I don't think so. It's a mix. No, but do you, so you, do you partake of pastries you don't have a in donut? non-brunch or breakfast settings? I'll eat a donut whenever there's a donut available. All I can right, eat a, so a then, night donut. I could eat an afternoon donut. Man, you're such a hater. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a word here that, arrives, that goes with pucks. I gave you a couple. Pastries doesn't count. Bellinis. A breakfast pastry? I just want a bellini, man. All right. Just, well, thank, thank you for de- taking this completely off the rails. So, else, I'm not the one that brought up the Blackhawks. 
<laughs> I was mentioning for the folks who are on their yeah. way down oh, now, getting Waddle ready to save us. for eleven thirty puck drop. Don't 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 bring Waddle into this conversation. Save us, Tom Waddle. Give him a few minutes. He's He's got his uh, party voice. He's got his eyes on the Hawks and Capitals. He needed, <laughs> he he needed a few more moments to uh, to break down the rosters. So he's going to be joining us here shortly. Uh, so as we went to break, we were discussing yeah. Theo Epstein's appearance on Waddle and Sylvie on Friday, and uh, he basically gave them a half an hour, and he shared his two cents. Look, he sounded like a guy who is extremely frustrated with the way the season unfolded at the end of the year. He himself couldn't believe that the offense broke as it did and now this weekend at Cubs convention they've faced a fan base that while thankful for a 2016 World Series championship I think as you pointed out Chris yeah it, the fan base is a bit while thankful yeah is still a bit concerned because it felt at the time in 2016 like a championship window would be wide open for the next five to six years. And now two years later, two years are off of that. And you have to wonder if you're a Cubs fan, is it really open or as open as you thought it would be? Because the offense really hasn't doesn't seem like it's been fixed. I think a lot of it also has to do with the timing of the offense breaking, right? Like if the offense struggled for the first part of the season, but then came on late and then the Cubs lost in the wild card round, I think you'd have a different feel. But for the fact that they struggled so much in the final month, the score runs. I think that really allows a Cub fan to look at it and say, man, I wonder if this young core that we were promised in 15 and in 16 actually winning the World Series, maybe they all peaked at the same exact time, and that's different than projecting these guys out to all be possible all-stars, right? Like, there, there could be a couple different things at play here. If everyone all peaked in 2016, and that's the best that this collective group's going to be as a collective group, then you might struggle in the future. But if Theo's right, if Joe Madden's right, if everyone's right about this whole situation being a fact that, hey, some guy slumped, but look, Contreras will be better next year. Schwarber will be better next year. Chris Bryant will be better next year. You could see where everything's there. 95 wins. They scored what? Jed uh, referenced it with Cap and Company the other day. Uh, the second most runs in baseball. So you... Like, the offense is good. It's just you wonder if they're good enough to win another title. Let's bring in our chief NFL analyst on ESPN 1000. Here on to Pucks and Pancakes. He also... Uh, uh, yeah, Pancakes. Yeah, he also hosts... Yeah. You're familiar yeah. with uh, the Waddle and Sylvie show, Tom Waddle. He conducted that Theo Epstein interview we were talking about, and now, a couple days later, having a chance to digest it. I'm curious, Tom, as we bring you in, uh, what's your foremost thought uh, thinking about that Theo Epstein interview, which was... In my opinion, you know, he was he could not have been more forthright about how he felt about last season. Yeah, I think it was I think it was great. I think Theo's always very, you know, he's very transparent. He's most times he's very willing to talk. I thought there was a conciliatory tone to his voice as well, which is, "Hey, look, we failed all of you guys." And I think that that was kind of the message that he from what I understand, gave to the fans at Cubs convention this weekend is that they, they got to do better. He has to do better. The whole organization has to do better. And I, I thought it was thought it was very revealing, and I thought Theo was, was very upfront and open, whether it was talking about Addison Russell and the relationship they have with him and what's expected of him and where they expect that relationship to go to the, the underachieving offense to all of it. Um, you know, he addressed Joe Madden, you know, directly or indirectly with us as well. I thought he touched all the bases, so to speak, fellas. 
Tom, when you take a look at the Cubs overall and the offense that slumped last season, which specific player would you say that guy needs to bounce back for the Cubs offense to actually be a dominant offense that we saw in 2016? Well, Chris, I heard you talking earlier. There's two guys, obviously. One, one is Contreras, and you know, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's more the guy we saw last year or the guy we saw in 2017. My guess is, like everything in life, I live by a pretty common theme: is, is the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, that's a lesson for you, Abdallah. Why don't you try to apply that to your own life, and you maybe will find positivity and, and, and happiness. I'm not um, but but Contreras <laughs> obviously has to get better. Um, you know, we, we talked about this a lot, too. There was a point in the season where, I don't know if it was like 60% of the way through or 75% of the way through, wherever it was, he had caught more games by like double digits than anybody else or more innings than anyone else in the league. They've struggled with having a backup catcher that they trust, and maybe he got tired. And the other guy is Bryant. I mean, look, Chris Bryant wasn't the Chris Bryant we've come to know and appreciate, so you know, I, I've said, I'm not even the Cub fan for crying out loud, but, uh, but I've said to those who will listen, there's a good chance this year without adding any free agents really of note um, that they could be an improved team over a 95-win team, by the way, just with their own guys getting healthy. Bryant gets healthy. Contreras gets better. Darvish can do something. Chatwood can be a little bit better. Remember, Morrow missed the majority of, of when you needed him as well, so... If you're a normal guy, that's not even mentioning Schwarber and Happ and some of the others, you know, being better this year than last year. Now, obviously, you know, there's no guarantee that Javi is going to be as, as great as he was, but there's obviously there's no thought that he's going to take a huge dive. So, look, I can paint a rosy picture for Cubs fans that even without Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or others, you still have a very good chance to be better than you were last year and you won 95 games. You're a man that likes to wager, and the uh, the Patriots Chiefs wager is still on the table. If you want, if you want to get back to me, uh, if you want to get back to me by the time the uh, game kicks off today, that wager is still on the table for you. Is it legal to place a bet with you on the air while we're talking? Yeah, Yeah. that's the preferred method. Actually, actually, if you had to wager, would you? I'm going to take Clemson plus five. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Do you do you think that would you bet that this is uh, Joe Madden's last year? Um. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it will be. Um, unless they win the World Series, how can you fire a World Series winning manager? But Mello, you probably you, there may have that may have happened, and it may have happened with the Red Sox. I don't I don't even know. My brain doesn't function that well at this hour on a Sunday. But my money, Adam, would be that yeah, this is this may be it. Um, look, it this is to me this is an interesting conversation as well because. Joe Madden, I think we all agree. We talk about it every day during the baseball season when they won the World Series. I don't think they win that World Series without Joe Madden creating a culture that allowed these young guys to thrive. Um, I think, you know, you go to the NLCS three out of four years and you win a World Series after not winning a World Series over 100 years. Your manager deserves credit. With that said, I mean, there have been some moves that we've all, you know, we've all questioned or been critical of over the course of time. Um, I mean, I think it's every indication is is that this probably will be will be it. But who knows? I mean, look, if they go out there and get hot in the postseason and or get in the postseason and get hot and, and go to the World Series, that may change the entire narrative. But right now, if I had to put my money down, my money would be that this is Joe's last year, and I'm sure that you know that will that will anger a lot of Cubs fans who have a lot of appreciation for what Joe's done. 
All right, that voice you hear is Tom Waddle. You know what you heard every day, 2 to 6 on Waddle and Sylvie. And if you guys hadn't done such a good job interviewing Theo Epstein, we would have actually started with the reason we brought you on, Tom, and that's because you're our NFL analyst, and it is Championship Sunday. You've got the Saints hosting the Rams. You have the Chiefs hosting the Patriots. And where do you want to start? Which game has you most interested today? Although I'm sure you're jacked about both. Yeah, I am. I mean, to me, you know, everyone says that this is the best single day of the NFL season. Uh, Championship Sunday is like no other. Um, you know, I think the more compelling story for me is is the the Patriots at the Chiefs, and um, you know, it's the goat versus the young gun. Is you know, it's is, I don't. I mean, everyone's looking for someone to finally for for Tom Brady to pass the torch and somebody to pass it to. I, I don't don't going to be that dramatic. I mean, even if the Patriots don't win today, you're not going to catch me telling you that the Patriots dynasty is over. That's people have lost a ton of money trying to bet against the Patriots over the last 5 or 7 years. So, um but it is there's so many different matchups in that game. If you go back to the game that was played in Foxborough, which is a big deal. Patriots are 8-0 at home this year. They haven't lost a home playoff game since 2013. If you look at the numbers, the common sense would tell you a team's not going to be as good on the road in the postseason when the, the level of competition goes up. The Patriots have been mortal uh, on the road. So this is going to be a much more difficult challenge for them going on the road. But uh, when you go back to the game they won in Foxborough, 43-40, uh, they had no answer for Tyreek Hill. They didn't have any answer for Tyreek Hill last year when these two teams faced. So I'm really interested to see how Bill Belichick tries to defend Patrick Mahomes and what he's got uh, at his disposal. And look, if you you guys know, if you double Hill, you, they can beat you with Casey. So, uh, really interested to see to see how Bill Belichick tries to slow down that Chiefs offense. Last week, the uh, Patriots' run offense was outstanding. Uh, Sony yeah. Michelle had 24 carries, 129 yards, and three touchdowns. The Chiefs all year have struggled trying to stop the run. Can they do enough today to limit the run game for the Patriots to actually keep this game close? Yeah, Chris, I think that's that's obviously one of the keys. I mean, the last thing you want to do is put it, I guess, you know, maybe, I, again, I don't want to be that guy that says Tom Brady at 41, you, he can't do it the way he used to, and he sure can, but it helps to have somebody you can rely on. Sony Michelle was good. I think James White had, what, 15 catches coming out of the backfield against the Chargers as well. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of that. I think that they will run the football at this Chiefs. What the Chiefs do, they rush the passer well. I don't, I'm not... I'm not really enamored with what, what the Chiefs do overall on the defensive side of the ball. They give up a lot of yards, but they've been playing with the lead a lot this year, so that can be a little bit misleading. But, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Patriots come out and try to – first of all, what you want to do is you want to control the clock. I mean, the best defense against Patrick Mahomes in that offense is to keep them on the sideline. So if the Patriots can control the clock and run the football and get some first downs, you're automatically going to have a better chance of slowing down the Chiefs' offense because they're not going to be on the field. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Patriots will run the football at them, try to control the pace of the game and see if they can soften up that Chiefs' defense and then hit them with, with shots down the field. But uh, that's why these games are so much fun to watch, especially with Bill Belichick, because people don't realize Bill Belichick spends as much time with the offense as he does the defense. And to see how they're going to try to a, slow down the Chiefs and then attack the Chiefs. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We, I think we know more what the, what's going to happen in the NFC game. I think that, you know, the, the, 
the, the Rams are going to come out and try to run the football. Everything they do is is surround, surrounded by the running game. They run the play action. You know, C.J. Anderson's given them a huge boost. The Saints are the number two run defense behind our Bears this year, so no Sheldon Rankins hurts. But but if the Saints can contain the, the Rams' running game, they'll get after Goff and I think force some mistakes. I, I just think that the the early game there's there's less uh, strategy that is somewhat compelling to me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of the way I look at it. Patriots are three and five on the road. They average eleven less points per game. Why do you think they struggle so much on the road this year? Wow, that's a good idol. You know what, Adam? I'd have to go back and look at maybe they were missing guys in some of those games. Uh, they never play well in Miami. I think they lost to the Dolphins in Miami, didn't they? Yeah. Um, that was the Gronk playing safety game. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. You know, so there you go. There's a game that you know because of their their idiocy and how they played that play, they lose. <laughs> It's just hard. I mean, you know, ask the Saints. They'd much rather be at home in their building where there's a distinct home field advantage. Um, I don't know. You know what? I'm sitting in front of my computer right now, and I'd have to look at who the Patriots went on the road and played and why they didn't play as well. They, They lost at the Jags early in the season. They lost at the Lions. That was a bad game. That was early on. I think they started the year, what, one and two? They yeah, but those games teams. don't care. Those are like preseason games for the Patriots. You're right. You're 100% right. I mean, they lost it to the Steelers. They struggled with the Steelers uh, some over the course of the year. I'm not making excuses for them. I just, you know, they're, I didn't think they were, I didn't think that they were a typical Patriots team this year. They didn't have a 1,000 yard rusher, they didn't have a 1,000 yard receiver. Their defense was middle of the pack in most statistical categories. Brady threw 11 interceptions. He hadn't thrown double-digit interceptions since 2013. They just they didn't look great, but wouldn't you know it when they needed to, they got home field advantage, which I think was, or they got the second seat, which I thought was, was crucial for them because they could get the extra week of rest. Then they could spend an extra week trying to, to, to you know, game plan for whoever they were going to face, and it ended up being the, 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 the Chargers. Look, I don't think it's a great Patriots team, you know, you look they they got they got to cha- to face the Chargers in their building. They got the extra rest. You know what they? I, I, I'm still picking them to beat the Chiefs, but there's something. There has been something missing earlier in this year. With well, I, I guess a better question is: Does it matter when you have Brady and Belichick in the AFC Championship game? Where it is? Yeah, I mean, it's you'd rather be in Foxborough than 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 Arrowhead. I'm telling you, Arrowhead. I know it's. You know, it's an outdoor stadium, but that place gets as loud as any outdoor stadium in the in football. Look, that's I'm going to ride with Patriots' experience and and past success, and I know I'm a I'm a champion of whatever happened in 2012 has really very little bearing on 2019 because half the roster is different. But the two constants, as you mentioned, Adam, were the coach and the quarterback, and to me, experience means everything at this level. Very likely that. You, you know, are very, very possible that Chiefs continue to do, you know, really good things and beat the Patriots. But until I, I'm never going to pick against the Patriots in this type of moment, unless to me it's more obvious than this one is. While I'm with you, I, I, I think the Patriots will win today, but I wouldn't be stunned by any means if the Chiefs right. win. The most surprising outcome to me would be if the Rams go into New Orleans and win that game. How do you think they go about? beating the Saints in the Superdome? 
Yeah, I agree with you totally, Jeff. I think that, that I'd be I'd be more than a little surprised if the Rams come out of there winners because you just saw how important. I mean, the, the, listen, the Eagles had them on their heels, but you saw how important that home field advantage is and how how great it is for them inside that dome. I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, if the Rams win this game, it's going to be because they're able to establish their running game. And they may have a better chance of doing that this week because the Saints lost Sheldon Rankins in the playoff game against the Eagles. And he had a, a career year this year, and he is a huge component to what they do at the line of scrimmage. As I said earlier, they're the number two run defense. So if somehow, some way, the Rams are able to poke holes in that front and get the running game going, then the passing game follows because then you can use – it's hard to run play action if you can't run the football. We saw that on the leg front. The Bears completely shut down the Rams' running attack. Jared Goff was a sitting duck back there. So if the, if, if the Rams can get their running game going, then obviously things will, will open up for them. I don't have a ton of confidence in the Rams' defense. So, you know, I would – I would lean towards saying that the Saints will won't won't get gutted for 150 run, uh, rushing yards. I think they gave up like they gave up less than 100, like 95 or 98, when these two teams met earlier in the year, and the Saints beat that Rams team. Um, I think they won 45, 35, or 45, That's correct, 33, yeah. something like that. 45, 35. So um, yeah, I think if they if the Rams go in and upset the Saints, it's going to be because they were able to get the running game going with Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. All right, Tom, I have your uh, game logs up on uh, ProFootballReference.com. Oh, and Why you, would you do that? Well, does, this, does this make no, fun of me on no, a no, 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 no. I want to get your um, the stories and what you witnessed because you've played road games both in New Orleans and at Kansas City in your playing career. So do you remember anything about those games? Do you remember any well, stories about the atmosphere, what it was like to play at those two stadiums? Yes, I, I remember playing the Saints. I don't know if it was ninety one or ninety two. Oh, at the time. Wait, wait. Was this the preseason game? Was this the preseason no, game? No, regular, regular season. Oh, okay. That, no, preseason. Because that's where you made that. your mark, right? The preseason at the Superdome. Well, that's no, no, no. That was at Soldier Field where oh, I took okay. a punt back seventy four yards. Spiked yeah. the ball with I, authority. Yeah, yeah. No, that I, I, I spiked the ball with authority inside the Superdome. Uh, the, the the background on that is is uh, you guys are too young, but when when the Saints the Saints were like seven and zero maybe eight and zero when we played them, Chris, if you're looking at the box score, you would know this. They were, uh, they were seven and zero going into the game. That's right. Oh, do, wait, 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 Grandpa Waddle. I I remember because I was I was ten and I remember Pat Swilling, Vaughn Johnson, Sam Mills yeah, just wreaking havoc yeah. with the entire oh. and Ricky Jackson, Hall of Famer Ricky yeah. Jackson, with the entire oh. NFL at that point. Okay, so that's 100% right. You know who the linebacker coach of that group was? Oh, we just went over this the other day. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our very own Vic Fangio. That is correct. You get extra points for that. <laughs> um, so they're 7-0, and and they had this commercial running down in, in New Orleans. It was cha-ching. Some kid going cha-ching for everything. So it was the cha-ching game. And I think this was 92. Am I right? We came uh, down 1991. There. Was it 91? Yeah, October uh, 27th, 1991. Okay, I got the year wrong. Anyway, so we go down there, and we played like crap. I mean, we I think Harbaugh was like 2 of 18 or 2 of 20 until the final drive of the game. We're getting beat. We're getting just housed. Getting our cans kicked. And miraculously, somehow, we got the ball back, and we went on a drive down the field, 
and I caught a touchdown pass uh, to actually put us ahead, and, and that's what Abdallah's talking about, a giant spike in the end zone, and we ended up beating them. I have no idea how we did it, but we upset them. They were 7-0. and It was the cha-ching game, and they kicked their ass for like 57 <laughs> minutes, and then we, we won on a long drive um, going in the end of the game. The Chiefs, I know we played the Chiefs in – no, I played the Chiefs in Arrowhead because I remember uh, Albert Lewis like was six two as a corner, and he had arms that were like four hundred feet long, and I just couldn't. I mean, he just he just got the best of me every single down because I just couldn't I couldn't manage his athletic ability. But. He also, I think he he's like one of the he also was like close to wasn't he like an close to Olympic sprinter type speed. Yeah. He was yeah, a, so just a that. beast. Six two with long arms, plays the position well, and has Olympic speed. And, and then he's got me. Um, <laughs> so, needless to say, it didn't go. I don't know if we won that game or lost that game. You guys won the, that game against Kansas City, nineteen to seventeen. That was wow. uh, November eleventh of nineteen ninety three. And you were dead on about the uh, Saints game. You guys scored. Uh, you scored the the winning touchdown, a twelve yeah. yard pass from Damn Harbaugh. Right. 20 to 17 the Bears won that game. How about that? Well what did I do against the Chiefs? I don't remember uh, who really the is. numbers against the Chiefs you had five targets, three receptions, 19 yards. Ooh, gritty. Gritty <laughs> is what that is. Gritty. That's what happens is when you're the the go-to guy who scores the game-winning touchdown against the Saints, the yeah. Chiefs then have to blanket Tom Waddle with Albert decoy. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a decoy those are the toughest 19 yards of the whole season. <laughs> That's right. Listen, there's a chance that a couple of those are on third down, mister, so be careful. So that was a typical game. That was three catches for 19 yards. That was me. That's, that's on, that'll be on my gravestone. Three catches for 19 yards. Uh, oh, was the safe, there was, they that's had a, a good call. You should there. put your NFL stats on your gravestone. Have your children do that. Put that in your yeah. well. I will, I will do that as long as I can get a guarantee from you. You won't urinate on my grandson at any point. <laughs> cannot, cannot guarantee Do you that. remember yeah, anything you about know. the atmosphere there, Tom? Do you remember oh, anything, dude, Tom? It was crazy. It was crazy. What I remember most was coming in, coming into the locker room. No, I, oh, listen, I got a better story for you. What year was that? Had, that was Wani, wasn't it? Wasn't that 93? Yeah, 93. Okay. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the day before BC's playing playing uh, Notre Dame. It's the, 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 the game where BC beats them with the kick that looks like it's going 100 yards left of the field goal and miraculously comes through. Okay, so Zorch and I are watching the game like on a handheld television. It must have been going from the airport. We were following the game from the airport to, to Arrowhead because we would always, when we'd land, we'd go to the stadium and do a walkthrough. So Zorch and I are standing offense on one side, defense on the other, we're both standing watching this game, not paying attention to the walkthrough, and Wani airs us out because we're supposed to be doing something, and we're watching watching the game. Anyway, so... Uh, Real, you, you, while you failed to mention, your Boston College was number 17 at the time. Notre Dame was ranked That's number right. one in the country. That's right, and we beat them on that field goal. You did. That was awesome. I th- I, if I remember correctly, I hear Wani screaming, guys, am I bothering you? Or something <laughs> to that effect. But what I remember, Chris, about the atmosphere was it, it's just insane. I mean, I know it's a big open-air stadium, but just insane. I remember, I remember McMichael pounding his forehead into the top of his, his locker. He used to do that a lot, but I don't know why I remember that. 
that dude was such a great player and such a great leader. It was so much fun to watch him get ready to play. All right, Wides, we'll Were let we you. we losing that game at the half? Hold on, I can look. Hold on, hold on. Trying to get it up. You drinking? No, you've been drinking. I mean, no, he's no, got he's got, got like the... eight tabs open here. Uh, too many on. tabs. Okay, too many you tabs. guys. Uh, let's see. At halftime, you guys were down fourteen to six. Yeah, I remember because people were angry at the half about that. I remember that. I remember Steve banging his head against the the locker. That's great. <laughs> Good times. That's awesome. He, times. he was uh, he was Lattimore before Lattimore in the program. There's mm-hmm. there's an old reference for you. Wow. I never watched. I All never right, watched that. we've taken too much of your time this Sunday morning. Thanks, man. We appreciate you hopping on. Homemade soup right now. If Ooh. you wanna, if you want the uh, Patriots it, and Chiefs straight up, let me know. You is, still got time? Is it a broth based yeah, soup or are you going cream, Wads? What? Oh, no, it's broth. Okay. No, no. Listen, All right. Come on, yeah. Bone broth? No, listen, no, no. Is it chicken noodle, or what are we working with here? Chicken noodle, oh, yeah. I, it's, I, I got my own little recipe, man. Mm. Well, I stole it from my wife. Nice. I'm, you have to tweet it out like Cap does. All right. No, don't do that. No. No, I'm not, and I'm not going to tweet pictures of me in the shower either, okay? All right. Well, you do you, man. I know that breaks your heart, Abdallah. It, it does. En- <laughs> enjoy your championship Sunday, Waddle. We appreciate it, man. All right. You got it, fellas. Have a good day. All right. The very own Tom Waddle of ESPN <laughs> 1000. You can hear him tomorrow, 2 to 6. Let's see you tomorrow. With, with Silly. Oh, I mean, we will. I know, we? I know. Yeah, All right. we will. We will. I'm right. just like throwing the log on the uh, story time with Waddle uh, fire. Absolutely. We're going to pause for uh, Sports Center here in a moment, but Colin Wilson of the Action Network yeah. has all the latest on what's going on in the point spread movements he's going to share that with us coming up next and then uh we'll also go down to uh kansas city and talk about the uh, chiefs patriots game yeah and then something we need to talk about too is cold weather games over unders do we have to worry does about it that? matter does it matter it might be a myth we'll do that next this is chicago's game day only on espn 1000 at espnchicago.com it is Championship Sunday, which means it is your last pure opportunity to bet on NFL football because we all know the Super Bowl, things get a little crazy, a little weird. Teams are out of their routine. There's lots of over-unders that you're no doubt going to partake in that you never would in a normal football Sunday. But this week, this Sunday, it's your last pure chance to bet on football for the year. Without it being bastardized by <laughs> Super Bowl weirdness. Yeah, I mean, you also get to take a look at four of the best teams in the NFL going against each other, which usually each and every week throughout the regular season, those are the teams that you use to poach all the bad teams Absolutely. in the NFL. You know? And you try and figure it out that way, so it's fantastic to get ready and to get gambling today. So, man, points. Today we're going to see points, points, and more points. Both, both, are you sure about that? Both over-unders are set at 56.5 right now. Both spreads are three right now. There was, if you go to the uh, the Chiefs game, that opened very high, and then people were like, "Oh no, it's going to be cold." And it went down not. to like fifty five, and then it went. Now it's back up to fifty six and a half. As people are like, "Oh no, it's going to be fine out there. It's going to be a little cold, but well." Whatever. And then also the cold weather thing Myth. is is fascinating too, because Myth. a lot of people in the mainstream media talk about it as if uh, people are going to be running the ball like it's nineteen forty two. That's actually a complete myth, and the Action Network has put out information that Bet Labs data shows that it goes over 58% of the time in games played colder than 30 degrees since yeah. 2003. In games colder than 20 degrees at playoff time, the games have gone over 73% of the time since 1985. So it's a complete myth that just because it's cold, 
the teams won't score well, points. Truth, truth, I, I was glad to get this over under fifty five and a half yeah. earlier. Roll, roll the points, baby. <laughs> truth be told, the, you know when when it's that you get the like you said, the narrative is oh it's going to yeah. be hard to score points. The offense is going to be running the ball, moving the clock. But then you see, yeah, look in this NFL, this iteration of the NFL that we watch these days. People are not afraid to throw the ball, and footing is more difficult for the defender who doesn't know exactly where he's going. He's just reacting. It's actually, in some ways, an advantage to the offense. In this NFL, that second stat below sure. 20 degrees back is from 1985, so, and, and the other one below 30 degrees back to 2003. So, I mean, li- listen, the data is there, and uh, I think the, the problem is a lot of the mainstream media just mm-hmm. hold on to narratives that they hear someone else say, and they don't actually go and look up the research. Cold weather games score points. It's well, fun. Well, a man who is familiar with the research, Colin Wilson of the Action Network, joins us now. Let's get his take on the two games today if he feels the same way about the over-unders. Colin, thanks for joining us here on ESPN 1000. How are you feeling about the over-unders today? Do you uh, believe in the data that uh, Chris just shared with us about going with the overs? Yeah. Let me tell you guys a short story here real quick. So this applies to college as well, because everybody was on a Kent State Toledo under earlier this year. Ice forecasted under 20 degrees, uh, some precipitation coming down. Uh, so everyone was on this under 57, I think, Kent State and Toledo. That game had 90 points in it. There was ice <laughs> on the field. There was on the helmets. They had no problem scoring points because it's about the wind. It's not really about the temperature. There's nothing better than uh, kicking your feet up at the start of the third quarter, knowing your over has already come in. It's that, that's when that's when it's a great day. Yeah, definitely. As for these two games here, I, I think I think really the total comes down to how much are you going to rush the ball. Uh, I think the Rams are going to be able. I think the Rams Saints game is actually kind of an under game because of C.J. Anderson, and they're going to utilize him in that dome early to try to get golf established and feeling comfortable. As for New England and Kansas City, I just I don't see how anybody can take an under in this game. Even New England, New England's game plan when they met up earlier this year was to run the ball. They wanted to establish the run, keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes, and the game still easily flew over the total because I mean it turned into a shootout anyways. I think the same thing's going to happen today. I think both teams are going to utilize their backs out of the backfield, but it doesn't matter. It's going to turn into a passing game at the end. I expect points to go up on the board as soon as you know each team gets each other felt out. So it's a topic we talked about with that game specifically today is the fact that the Patriots want to run the ball. Can the Chiefs stop the rush of the Patriots on defense? We've seen throughout the season they've struggled at that. How do you think that kind of plays out throughout the game? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the Chiefs are just a different defense at home. Uh, they've shown some splits, you know, against the rush and against the pass. They've been a different defense at home. But, I mean, you have to look at the strength of schedule about who they've gone up against. I think New England is going to be able to establish the ground game. I think they're going to be able to run on the other side of the ball. I think Belichick is going to give the ground game uh, uh, to, to the Chiefs all day because I think he's more focused on trying to stop Patrick Mahomes than he is trying to stop, say, Damian Williams out of the backfield. I think if you're betting props today, Damian Williams over 64.5 rushing yards, that's a great bet. Uh, catching over 31.5 receiving yards out of the backfield, that's a great bet. You have to remember when these two teams played before, Kareem Hunt had over 105 yards receiving out of the backfield. He also had a TD through the air. So they're going to establish the run games, and then when they finally do go to the passing games, the, the, the running backs are going to be the ones that are going to have all the yards, I think, in this game. This was a field goal game at the beginning of, or earlier in the season. Not much of a disparaging uh, between the 
amount of bets and the money coming in on the bets. 55% of the bets are going to Kansas City. 57% of the money is going on Kansas City. The Chiefs are a three-point favorite and open at two and a half. How do you see this one shaping up? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. I think we're going to have uh, probably a three-point victory or a two-point victory, and whoever holds the ball last is going to be the winner. Uh, I, I mean, easily either team either team can win this game. There's no strong advantages for the other. I think it's going to play out just like the one before. Uh, for me, this is a live better's dream. Uh, and what I mean is if you don't have a sports book that allows you to live bet, so live bet happens right after the ball is kicked, the point spread will adjust as the things that happen in the game. So, for instance, if New England's able to tack on 14 points right off the bat, you would want to live bet Kansas City and get plus points. You know Kansas City is going to come back. You know they're going to tie the game. You know they're going to take the lead. So at some point you're going to be able to get New England at plus points. I think there's going to be you know that chance here in this game. So if you can get Kansas City at a money line or a plus three live during the game, if you can get New England over four, even at seven, I think those are great bets in this game. Yeah, Colin, I think last time when you, we had you on the show, we kind of asked you to kind of let the average better understand why live betting is so um, so good and so much fun because you can kind of – use it to your advantage, right? You can wait and get the number at your spot if something happens dramatically in the game, which you know will reshape towards the other way at some point. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. That, that as a live better, you, it's kind of like watching a market, uh, being a day trader except on steroids because it's happening every 30 seconds. Right. Play to play, uh, you know, and, and, and players can get hurt. The pace of the game can completely change. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles scored two touchdowns right out of the gate uh, against the Saints last week. And I'm sitting here live betting as much as I can get down on, on, on the Saints plus two and a half, the Saints plus three, because I know that they're going to come back in the game at some point. Uh, you know, so the flow of the game changes, especially for the over-under. Uh, generally, for the over-under, if you can get a 10-point window, uh, you know, if you can get something that's maybe a touchdown off from what the original uh, total was, that's good to bet. Uh, as far as the side, just make sure you cover your key numbers. Uh, the books like to get juicy. They'll offer maybe minus 130 to get a seven, or they'll – you know, they'll, they'll try to make sure they protect themselves. But at the same time, if you're quick and uh, you can avoid distractions in the house with the family and the dogs and all that, then you could become a wonderful live better just grabbing key numbers on both sides. You mentioned the first game between the Rams and the Saints that you thought it was going to be an under game. 70% of the money coming in on the over. It opened at 56. It's at 56 and a half now. Why are you making a case for the under? Yeah, I think the C.J. Anderson thing, uh, I, I, I don't expect Goff to come out throwing the ball, and he should have some advantages with Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods because the Saints are third, you know, they're bottom three in the league against the number one and number two receivers, and they're 32nd in the NFL against the deep ball. The problem is I don't think Goff's going to be able to hear anything. Uh, his home road splits are pretty terrible, uh, and this is probably the worst environment you could put him in. Uh, so I think it's going to take him some time before he's actually throwing the ball down the field. Uh, you know, before they get comfortable. And that's going to, that tells me that CJ Anderson's going to get the load at the beginning, uh, until golf is comfortable throwing the ball. Uh, I just, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, with Sheldon Rankin being out, uh, I think both, both teams are going to try to establish the ground game. They went away from Alvin Kamara, the Saints did, uh, in the first game, and they've made comments that they need to get back to that. And that is, that is what their MO needs to be in this game. So there's a lot of signs pointing to, uh, a lot of this being more of a ground attack to set up the passing, and I think that tends to make it an under game. Colin, you mentioned that prop bet for Damian Williams that interested you in the Patriots-Chiefs game. How about the Saints-Rams game based on what you think might unfold? Is there any prop bet that catches your eye? Yeah, I'm taking as much Ted Ginn Jr. props as I can. Uh, I think Akeem Tlaib, he, he's healthy, he's going to play, 
but he's going to shadow Michael Thomas. Now he doesn't he doesn't shadow players very often. He usually you know he's a cornerback and he just plays his side. But in this particular case, uh, there's research the research that shows Talib will come off of his corner position and shadow the best wide wide receiver. It looks like he's going to shadow Michael Thomas in this game. That should open up for Ted Ginn Jr. Get Ted Ginn Jr. Sorry to have as many over props as possible. So I think if you can get any Saints wide receiver, uh, you know, first touchdown or to score a touchdown other than Michael Thomas, I think that's a good bet. Who do you think has the coaching edge in the Rams Saints game? That's a good question because I think there's kind of a narrative out there right now that Sean McVay is the brand new, uh, you know, the coach of the future. Uh, and that everybody's going to go to uh, you know this this style of offense and, and maximizing in points, uh, and they're going to go to this philosophy if McVay can get the Rams to the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's to be determined. Um, you know, I can't go against Sean Payton in this game, although I don't know what's going on with the Saints. Another thing for live betting for this game particularly, and what tends why why I like the under is that the Saints have only scored ten points in the first quarter since Thanksgiving. So like their last six games, they've only scored 10 points total. Uh, they're having a really hard time getting uh, off the bat. Uh, Breeze is, uh, for some reason, struggling in the first quarter in every game. We saw it last week. We've seen it, you know, even before they ended the regular season. Uh, so we're going to find out today, as far as the coaching concerns, we're going to find out today if McVay uh, is the future coach of the future and if he can take this team to the Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't know how you can go against the Saints and Sean Payton. They've won a Super Bowl before, and they've done amazing things in New Orleans. So tonight after the AFC Championship game, is there a Super Bowl team, should they advance, that you think people should jump on early as these lines are set right after the uh, the game's over? I particularly like the Chiefs on the track, on the fast track. Uh, I know that people are going to be all over the Saints. I, I have a feeling that the general public is going to be all over the Saints because they are a dome team because they're going to be playing in that type of environment that they will favor them. Uh, I don't think anybody has the number of weapons and explosiveness as the Kansas City Chiefs do. And in what should be an extremely high-scoring game in which I'll be betting on colors of Gatorade and Gladys Knight to go uh, <laughs> over a minute and 50 seconds, uh, I, think yes. I think the Chiefs are the team that I'm going to be looking to back. And I can tell you this right now, that if the Chiefs do not win this game today, if the Chiefs do not win the Super Bowl, there will be a 2020 uh, future Super Bowl bet on the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not going anywhere. They're only going to improve. You can check Colin out on the Action Network. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at underscore Colin, the number one. That's two L's, so at underscore C-O-L-L-I-N and the number one. Colin Wilson, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate the insight. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Great info. Thanks, Colin. Colin Wilson of the Action Network there. So, okay, so based on what Colin just told us, if you are someone that's looking at the Rams with the points today, three and a half right now, if you think the Rams are going to win the game, based on what he just told us, wouldn't that tell you to also bet the Rams in the first quarter and in the first half, right? Because the Rams in the first quarter are getting a half point, and in the first half they're getting two and a half. So, like, based on the fact that in the last, what, six games, the Saints have only scored 10 total points, Mm -hmm. that would lead you to believe if the Rams are going to win this game, they'll probably score first. They'll probably have the lead at the end of the first quarter. If you're going to take the Rams plus the points, you might as well take the Rams plus the points in the first quarter as well and double your bet. Yeah, because I I see it this game if the... The Saints score early. Let's say the Saints go out to the 14-point lead. I think it's going to be hard for the Rams to come back in the Dome. 
because that place is going to get so loud. Well, that and they have to run the ball to be successful exactly. in the passing game. So it could be a tougher uh, tougher go coming back from 14. Yeah, so if you're points, a Rams backer, scores, I could yeah. definitely see that. Obviously, uh, that game went down earlier uh, yesterday at 3. And, like, I don't know if it was a – but something in me was like, I should check I should check my site real quick. And it was like, yeah. oh, it's a 3? Bet! Yeah. So I took I'm on the Saints at uh, at minus three, but I think that everybody kind of thinks that that's going to be the game that if there's a game that gets out of hand, like we saw in the uh, in the games last week, that it's going to be that first game of uh, the day today. Really, that gets out of hand. I think if anything, if 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 we had to sit here and bet on what would the blowout be of all four of these teams, I think the most money would go towards the Chiefs blowing out the Patriots. See, I'm I can see, get, I can see people thinking the Saints are going to blow out the Rams. Too. Yeah, really? that's where I'm at. I think I, the Saints would blow out the Rams because I'm not. I don't. There's think been a that lot of public perception about this Rams team not being any damn good. Recently. It's not that. I don't get it, it. It's not that I don't think that they're any good. It's that that I put more stock in what Brady and Belichick will be able to do against the we've, Chiefs. We've as seen opposed. The we've other seen way. some weaknesses from the Rams that might be able to be exposed, especially on the road. And I think it's just the Belichick factor that you don't think yeah. the Pats are going to get blown out. It's not a they knock could. on the Rams. Yeah. It's more of a, I believe, more in Brady and Belichick, it's too, fair. if it's they fair. are down, to find a way. All right, that is Adam Abdallah along with Chris Black. I'm Jeff Mallard, Chicago's NFL Game Day. Could the White Sox be on the verge of landing a big bat? What? Ken Rosenthal weighs oh. in next. We'll share it with you on ESPN 1000. All right. This is Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. It is. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Uh. Black and Adam Abdallah. We are focused primarily on football because this is the best football viewing day on the calendar year. But we are also watching what goes on with the White Sox and per Ken Rosenthal. On rumors of Jock Peterson trade to White Sox. Wait, what? what? Dodgers have oh. been Dodgers have been discussing Peterson in possible deals, rival executives say. White Sox, one of the clubs in those conversations, according to sources, not known if talks are advanced to point where teams are close to a deal. But there you go. Jock Peterson, a potential Young target for the White Sox. He would he would be look. He's he's a a left-handed power hitter who, at times, struggles against lefties. But if you just play him against righties for the most part, he's a valuable piece who could potentially hit twenty-five. I'd say he could. He, he's a frequent twenty-five home run hitter, and I would say if he had the opportunity to play at guaranteed rate fields, thirty home runs would be. Very likely if he was slotted into the middle of the White Sox order. I think the bigger question is, does he know or has he ever been in a room with Manny Machado? That is a fair question. Isn't that the the point of everything the White Sox are doing? It seems like that's where their focus is, you know, where their attention is focused. Could you imagine if they strike out on Machado and all they get is Jock Peterson? Yeah, Well, and uh, and all of Machado's friends. (laughs) Yeah, and friends. Uh, yeah, Jeff, you're right. Uh, his career average per season, 25 home runs. Uh, he's a uh, 796 OPS hitter. Um, you know, he, you're right. 
a nice piece to a team, but he's not a game changer. No, but and by for, no means. For the most part, with the Dodgers, he came up as a phenom, becoming an all-star, and then he was out of the lineup, in the lineup, back and forth, and all this different stuff. So it's not like he's some stud uh, phenom that the, the he, White Sox would be trading He for. has some extreme splits yeah. uh, in regards to lefty versus righty, but he would be a guy who... He gets on base with a, at a decent clip for someone who doesn't have a great batting average. And so, look, it, it would be a left-handed power hitter. And if, look, it's, it's everything the White Sox are doing is going, in my opinion, setters around whether or not they can actually land Manny Machado. Because if they do, this offense, or this offseason, will be an absolute grand slam. If they fail to do so, Pun. it'll be a single at best. Pun. That is Adam Odala. I'm Jeff Meller, and along with Chris Black, we're going to talk lots more football coming up in the 11 o'clock hour as we focus in on Saints, Rams, Chiefs, Patriots on Championship Sunday right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. It is Sunday. And it is football. It is, as I've been saying, the best football day on the calendar year. We've got Championship Sunday. We have the Saints hosting the Rams today at 2.05. And then, of course, the nightcap at 5.40. We have the Chiefs hosting the Patriots. We're here for you right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. We've been talking all about it. We're here till noon if you want to... Share your thoughts, 312-332-3776, as you consume today's football action. Will you be doing so anxiously, waiting for the Super Bowl participants? Will you be somewhat melancholy, knowing that there are only uh, three football games left? Ooh, I thought you were going to go a different route with that. I, I, I thought I was throwing the, the fade in, and you went out. Ooh, I thought communication. Yeah, see, I thought you were going to go uh, melancholy because your team, the yes. Chicago Bears, are not involved in the Final Four. And I think I think a lot of people here in the city of Chicago are going to kind of look at these four uh, teams and watch these two games and say, you know, man, the Bears really could have competed with the Rams and the Saints, had an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. And I think if you go back a month ago, a lot of us kind of assumed the Bears would probably get to this point. Yeah, especially because I think the, the they could have been in the position to beat the Rams. Uh, I don't know about the Saints. Going to, going to New Orleans is, is pretty tough. But well, I think... Well, the, rewind the, to last week. The Eagles' defense was yeah. good enough to keep them in the game. Exactly. The Bears' defense, better than the Eagles'. Transitive property and football uh, conversations love, always uh, work. Of course, I it mean, does. of course. If so this of course, team the this Bears, team right. and that yes. team beat that team. Of See? course, they, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then the Rams, yep. the Rams struggle against the Bears here. So of more transitive property. Oh, Had okay. Cody Parkey made the yeah. field goal, Vic Fangio would still be the defensive coordinator of the uh, Bears because nobody would have hired him. It's all I, I'm with you. It's uh, amazing. And then uh, Trubisky would have won the Super Bowl and uh, Grace quarterback ever. So ever. everything works out, right? Mm-hmm. Grace quarterback ever. Sunshine and lollipops. There would have been a Not literal... Ready to go there yet. Because then what would have happened is the Patriots would have beat the Chiefs. <laughs> and then after yep. the Bears won the yep. Super Bowl, the there would have been, property there would would have go to been a literal passing of the torch. Yep. That's what have, they would have made the happen. Yeah. yeah, they would have passed a, goats. A, a goat A goat passing. It would have been weird for a literal torch to be on the field and then as Tom Brady hands No, because Cap would Trubisky. have made it happen. He would have said there needs to be a Here. literal pass this torch to that guy over there. Yeah. Trubisky looks up with me, and yeah, there you go. You're off and running, Bears fans. How about so do you, that? Do you guys get 
Do you guys get sad at all during the games? Because I do. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I love it. And at the same time, I'm thinking, boy, my football watching is, is, losing money. is almost over until September. I was sad Maybe yesterday. August if you're... I was sad yesterday thinking about today because yeah. knowing that you have three football games left, it's, it's sad because yesterday was the prime example of snow falling, having nothing to do, mm-hmm. and then... You're burning through Netflix because there's no football to watch. Yeah, I watched a lot of Sopranos yesterday. Yeah, you're, you've gone back into the uh, the rewatching of Sopranos. Yeah, I have. because of the anniversary, the 20 year anniversary, kind of sparked a little flame in Abdallah, and now he's watching Sopranos all over again. It's so good. But like, but like, you look at your weekend, right? And when football is here, it kind of sets up. It gives you something to do if you have yeah. the routine. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have the routine set. Oh, like today, I'm not re- I'm not watching five episodes of Sopranos because there's two football well, games right. on. God, but I guess what? Not. Next yeah. weekend, you don't have that excuse. <laughs> You've got right. the Pro Bowl. Well, yeah, and, and, <laughs> no one, nobody's going to watch it. Hey, hey, there's eight and nine-year-olds out there who are going to be well, watching good, and good consuming the job. Pro Bowl for the yeah. first time. You know who Chris? doesn't care about eight and nine-year-olds? Me. I don't That's care. That's fine. I'm just telling you. Boy, that's why would the I Pro care what put eight on or nine-year-olds uh, up to? That's yeah. who the Pro Bowl is put on for. I'm just mentioning Chris it. Black literally never thinks of the children. Yeah. Never. I mean, uh, uh, why would I? I don't know. I'm just saying who it's for. It wasn't intended directly for you. They'll they'll watch anything if you just put it on. They're kids; they don't know. I can't. I've done extensive research in this subject field. Not having them, I understand that they 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 just do stuff. When they get into it, they'll seek it out. That's who the All Star Game is for. That's who the the All Star Football Game is for. Well, I'm not eight or nine, so I'm I'm not going to watch. You're not going to watch when Trubisky's playing. Anyway, you can uh, you can watch the Pro Bowl next weekend, or you can. or you can watch something on Netflix for five straight hours. That that works too. <laughs> it does until you get to the end of Netflix. Has anyone ever gotten to the end of Netflix? Not possible. I think my wife is getting close after the last <laughs> week. Holy cow! She's been held up in the house and she's been just racing through every we, programming. We, we burn through. They have. We burn through you. Uh, the show on on Netflix. We watched the fire uh, documentary. The greatest we watched, party that never was. We watched a documentary about Dupont. And uh, uh, Teflon and how it's bad for everybody. Uh, we we burned through like eight different things yesterday. That sounds like fun. Can't wait till there's no football left. That's all you got, Abdallah. I don't know what you wanted me to tell you. There's only there's only there's only so many Tom Segura so, comedy specials I can watch. All right, so we'll have more time to mourn the uh, the death of the football season when it's finally here. <sighs> but uh, let's not get too mundane right now. Let's. Uh, uh, let's talk about now. the actual games because we are excited about the Saints and Eagles, or Eagles, Saints and Rams, and of course the Patriots and Chiefs. And what stands out for you guys that uh, you're really looking forward to today? Well, I I am interested in seeing whether or not Jared Goff, as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, if he's like a fake good quarterback. Yeah. Like if he can stand tall in the pocket and make good decisions for the Rams offense and get them clicking, I think that will go a long way for people trying to decide whether or not he's just an average quarterback or a quarterback that can be in the top 10 conversation. I think a lot of people think he's kind of a fake good quarterback. Yeah, Sean McVay invented. The system itself is better than the part of Jared Goff. I'm interested in that. I'm also interested in seeing how Drew Brees plays because he's struggled the last couple weeks. And I know it's to a point where it's struggling while still being somewhat good. We just haven't seen the MVP levels of Drew Brees that we've seen previously in the season. We saw a couple overthrows last week against the Eagles. I want to see whether or not that's going to hurt the Saints today. Well, you know what it is with Drew Brees? I think part of it is 
they will pad stats against bad defenses. And we get in our head the idea that Drew Brees is just going to go out there and yeah. throw for 300, 400 yards and four or five touchdowns. But when you start to play better defenses, all of a sudden things change a bit. And look, when, when they're not in the Superdome as well, at the end of the year when they're playing a couple of games outside, even though they weren't cold weather games like in Carolina uh, per se, they were still playing some better defenses. And so it slowed down the offense a little bit. And the truth is, you see it. We talked with uh, Matt Mascana from ESPN Baton Rouge earlier in the game. Drew Brees' arm strength, not quite what it once was. And mm-hmm. they'll bring in Taysom Hill to throw the deep ball to keep the defense honest at times. But Drew Brees is not necessarily... He, he underthrew some deep balls last week that were there for him. Yeah. And a better defense sometimes can contain the Saints' offense a little bit. But... I'm not sure the Rams is a better defense in the league. Well, and but you could also look at Aaron Donald, who was in the conversation for MVP for what mm-hmm. half of this season, and if he has uh, a game where he can break out and actually get to Drew Brees, then you could see the Rams defense playing really well and stopping this vaunted Saints offense. And then if you look on the other side uh, for the two other teams in the late game, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes and what this Chiefs offense has done this season in the NFL has been one of the more fun storylines that we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. Mm-hmm. The way that they can put up points, how he makes it look so easy, doing the impossible, but making it look possible. All of it kind of coming together today against the GOAT, greatest player ever in Tom Brady, the best coach ever in Bill Belichick. I think that has uh, exciting storylines all over it as well. I mean, it, I, I'm excited to see the Chiefs try and go against the Patriots. I'm interested in the coaching matchups more importantly. I think that I, I would hope that these games are close at halftime and you can see the adjustments that Andy Reid and Bill Belichick make, the adjustments that Sean McVay and Sean Payton make. I think that you know, th- what interests me in the Sean Payton, Sean McVay is that Sean McVay is like the new, oh, everybody that's attached to him is getting a job. He's this, this young, uh, reinventing offense guy. And Sean Payton should be like, dude, I invented this. Like, yeah, what are right. you talking this, about? This is like, me. Like, this is yeah. like scoring 50 a game is my, is my thing. Like, what are you talking about? Like having no defense and, and, and scoring 55 a game and hoping other teams can keep up. That's my thing. Like being able to come back down 14 in a matter of a minute and a half. That's what we do. That I started that. So it, it'll be interesting to see the two coaches and how they match up against each other and see if this is kind of not really the end, but we've all kind of assumed that eventually this Tom Brady, Bill Belichick run is going to come to an end. Eventually, like this might be Rob Gronkowski if he, if the Patriots should lose. This might be his last game. He's mm-hmm. considering retirement at the end of the season. So you could see the end of the dynasty before our very eyes today. And to me, that especially with the Chiefs and how they're going to be dominant for the next few years as, as young as Patrick Mahomes is and, and Andy Reid's obviously not going anywhere and they've got all the weapons and they've got the, the structure to be successful for a while. You could We could be witnessing the end of a dynasty today. Now, I think it's also notable that you have the four best teams in football meeting today. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. it's easy to say that because they got to this point. But I think for the majority of the season, we would all agree that these were the four best teams. They were head and shoulders above the rest of the league around week eight, week nine. 
there was a little bit of, you know, at, at a certain point, maybe week 12, 13, you saw them come back to the pack just a little bit, and that's where teams like the Bears and Chargers all of a sudden started throwing their name into the hat as possibilities mm-hmm. of Super Bowl contenders. But the reality was for the entire season, these four teams have been the best. That's why they all earned the buys, and it it it'll, it should be... At least on paper, they're good football matchups, and so we are all anxiously awaiting the matchups today. I will say, Chris, you mentioned Mahomes being fun. You know who yep. loves Pat Mahomes? The eight and nine year olds. He's big in that demo. Let me tell you, yeah, he of is course. the NFL version because yeah, they like good teams. They like the, watching good yeah, stuff. No doubt, they're no, front. He's, I know what you're eight and nine year olds are front runners, and it's been noted before. If there is an NFL version of Steph Curry, yep. it mm-hmm. is Pat Mahomes. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because people are now watching what he does in warm-ups because he's that much fun. Yeah, throwing 70-yard passes without a run-up. You know, the stuff that he does, um, it's stuff of legends. Now he has to go out and actually win to match what we're all talking about and the hype we're building. Because if he doesn't win, yeah. especially today, or Certainly. he doesn't win a Super Bowl, you know, ever, then then that's going to be the knock, right? Like, like, and that's where you look at Andy Reid and Mahomes, and it's such an interesting combination that he was able to get this quarterback so late in his coaching career because yeah. usually, you know, that's like the guy you get to make your name, right? You have the sure. star quarterback, sure. and then you kind of – but, like, Andy Reid has done such a good job with quarterbacks that are not even – Half the talent, of course, that, that Mahomes is, and it, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. And we, it's funny, real quick, we talk about quarterback gurus like Sean McVay, like yeah. Matt Nagy. The truth is, Andy Reid is the original quarterback guru. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, think about it. He made Alex Smith a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's average at best, and we we've seen that from Alex Smith throughout his career. And I think that's that's what's so special about this, and the fact that Mahomes is probably going to do something today. That's going to wow everyone. It'll break the internet. It'll be all over Twitter. And all the kids will love it. And I I love it as well. See, and that's why it's good to bring up Steph Curry because we're looking at you know how he's hitting half court shots and he hit he hits shots from the tunnel as they're you know before he runs out he's doing the thing now where he bounces the ball really hard it bounces up I mean, it's bounces again and then goes in it, yeah. and normally like when you okay so a lot of people consume those highlights through Twitter through mm-hmm. Instagram right and normally when we consume highlights from uh, from foot from the NFL, it's a running back jumping over someone. It's a ridiculous catch from someone. We rarely see a quarterback throw. That's like wow. The yeah, way he throws what, the ball. And what, exactly, and what you get from Patrick Mahomes in these no look passes. That's exactly why comparing him to Steph Curry is a great point because you're getting the. It's not the catch that's that impressive. It's the throw that's impressive, which is not something you see all the time. You barely ever yeah. see it. You're always looking at oh my god, what a great one handed catch like behind the back or whatever it is, or what a great run. You know, he made he juked out three different guys, whatever. But the throw is the most impressive part about what Patrick. Mahomes does the stats the five you know the five thousand yards the fifty touchdowns this year that he mm-hmm. accumulated are eye popping but what is truly eye popping is the way and fashion in which he does it it makes you go wow I remember I think it was was the it was it was uh well there was a throw on the opening Sunday of the year that he made that was just stupid to the back of the end zone where he. He rolled, he began to roll to what would have been his left, and then he completely turned around and went back to his right, and yeah, then found, that. I'm trying to remember the receiver, it might have been Chris Conley, but I'll look it up, but he threw a dart yeah. to the back of the end zone, and it was, it was like he was announcing 
in retrospect, he was announcing on that Sunday that this year is going to be different. You're going to be watching something all season long that is going to be, in some ways, awe-inspiring and just different. And I don't think, no matter what happens today, it's it's by no means going to be that uh, Patrick Mahomes is choking. The moment's not going to be too big for him. The only question is going to be, Will Bill Belichick be able to put something in front of him that confuses him enough? Not because he's going to choke, but because he hasn't seen it before and maybe puts him in a position that he's not familiar with where he makes the mistake that ultimately the Patriots can capitalize on. And that's also where you could see the hype for Patrick Mahomes go to a whole nother level. Yeah. Right? Like if he just dismantles this Patriots defense, that's going to take all of this conversation to a different place. Yes. And, you know, think, think through in your head all the different um great players in sports usually there's like a warming up period to them being great and i know that patrick mahomes isn't a rookie this year it's his second year but he didn't play last year Mm -hmm. he did play in that last game but he didn't play last year how many times can you recall a player starting and the moment they hit the field in that position they're immediately one of the best in that sport Right, like LeBron James, when he was drafted by the Cavs and he was a rookie, was clearly the best player on that team. There was no doubt that he was the best player on the Cavs his rookie year. And then as the season went along, you're like, wow, we're watching something incredible. I know that Mahomes is not a rookie, but the moment in that first game he was making those throws and what we he was doing, what we were watching with the Chiefs this season, like the moment... This season started. Yeah. He was by far one of the three best players in the NFL, if not the best player in the NFL. How often does that happen it, in sports? It rarely does. And not just in other sports, you can point to sometimes positions and say it's, you know what, it happens a little more frequently. To do so at the quarterback position, right. that's just unheard of. Because think back. Like like Randy Moss, as a rookie with the Vikings, was immediately yes, the best the su- weapon in sports. Yes. Like the best weapon but in the football. the freakish talent and athleticism. Yeah. But like like that season, his rookie year, it was like, oh yeah, Randy Moss is by far the best wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then we got to Thanksgiving and he had that great game against, against the Cowboys. Cowboys three and touchdowns. It, it like sure. cemented that he was the best. I remember Adrian Peterson as a rookie as well for another Viking. The moment... They started handing him the ball his rookie year. He was the best running back in the NFL. It doesn't happen that often with a quarterback the moment they get a team that they're immediately the best player on the field. And you can just look at, look through the history. Uh, Somebody who, in a lot of ways, is thought of because the way he handled the game, Peyton Manning stepped onto the field and led the NFL in interceptions that year. And even though you could see that he was talented. Yeah, there's a warming up period. He he needed to understand how defenses work. And maybe that's why it's a little unfair to say Patrick Mahomes steps in as soon as we see him because he did have a year to learn. Sure. And so maybe if you're a Bears fan, that's where you can look at Mitch Trubisky and say he's had a year where he was actually on the field in Matt Nagy's offense learning as he went. And so maybe next year we'll, be, we'll see a, you know, a whole entire new level that he achieves. And so maybe there's some, some optimism you can take as you watch the Chiefs and Patriots is that there is a blueprint from a fan's perspective to see maybe the Bears can mimic at least, and not exactly, but maybe they can come close to what the Chiefs are doing between Reed and Mahomes. They can do the same thing with Nagy and Trubisky. Yeah, and that was you the know, hope. When when you brought over Matt Nagy, the hope was that you replicate but maybe there's the some, Chiefs. I'm saying maybe, maybe we all 
have been critical of Trubisky this season. Mm-hmm. But maybe if we step back and say there, maybe that's the positive outlook is that you can be hopeful that Trubisky. I will say I do think Mitch got better as the season went along. There were still lots of throws, especially in the playoff loss, that left me disappointed. But I will say if, if there's some optimism to take from it, it's that Trubisky, it was his first year under Nagy in the system. And that as we go, what we see from guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees is that they have this great depth, this great library they can access because they've been with their play callers for so long that maybe when we look back in a year, we're going to be, wow, maybe we'll be wowed by Trubisky mm-hmm. and Nagy because we'll be like, I didn't think after what I saw last year, that they were going to be this good. Maybe there's your optimism is that you can when you work together with your play caller, the more you get to know each other, the better they get. Maybe there'll be some uh, a higher level next season as a Bears fan. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other uh, phenoms that, that the in. moment they stepped on the field, you know. The key uh, is still the quarterback position. I know you're going to yeah. give us some here, but the quarterback position is really hard to do that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so impressive what he's done this year, Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, Mike Trout at age 20, not only was he an all-star, he was also number two in the MVP voting. Mm-hmm. That was his first full season with the Angels. Uh, the first year he played, he only played in 40 games when he was 19. So, yeah. like, the, his first full season, he stepped on the field. He was pretty fantastic. Same with Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's first season with the Chicago Cubs. I know sure. baseball's a little it different. Is, yeah, with college but, versus minors. and. But, I mean, those two guys come to mind, and Ken Griffey Jr. also comes to mind. You know, the moment he stepped on the field. Alex he, Rodriguez, there's somebody who. A-Rod, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they were clearly, like, some of the best in the sport the moment they started playing. You know, basketball is kind of tough because outside of LeBron James, I, I'm having a hard time in recent memory of finding those type of guys. I think, you know, a lot of Bulls fans kind of hope that maybe Zion Williamson will be that type of player. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, in basketball, you kind of have a learning adjustment. Like, Luka Doncic is by far the rookie of the year this year for the Dallas Mavericks. But I don't think anyone would put him in the top 10 players in the league. No. Like, no. like Patrick Mahomes stepped on the field this year, and he is the best player. He's going to be the MVP this season. Easily. And I think when you, if, if you look at what the, the, the Chiefs are, are, the way they can structure their moves, Adam Schefter is reporting right now that they're already working on an extension for him and how in 2020 he's going to be the first 20, $200 million quarterback. Yeah. So you get into that and then it's like, well, how long can they keep this team successful? Because we always talk about how if your quarterback is going to be the highest paid player on your team, he has to justify that money. Well, and he has to make up for your lack of spending elsewhere. He can, though. Yeah. At least so far. From what we're seeing so far from Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be one of the guys that can make up for those uh, for where you have to you know decrease your spending and make up for a lack of money at certain positions because you have the most valuable player in the league on your team and he warrants that kind of deal. That is Adam Abdallah along with Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller and we are talking Championship Sunday football for you. We will take your calls here in a few moments. But Chris, I know uh, before we get to uh, Josh Vernier of uh, 610 Sports in KC who's going to break down Pats and Chiefs for us, I know you wanted to briefly mention, because we should, the local team that is right now an absolute atrocity, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, well, you know, last night the Bulls lose to the Heat. Uh, should Should not surprise anyone. Uh, one seventeen to one hundred three, but standing but ovation for D Wade. <laughs> but I mean, it's I mean, do Bulls fans really care that D Wade played his last game here? 
Well, you know, he I, got I, a standing I, ovation. We listen, had a, we man. had a discussion in the uh, the sports office listen, whether or not man. he would be booed, and I was like, no chance. He's you getting would, the standing. You o. would think that you know. So as Wade goes on this tour, you would think that the Bulls would have a good enough player for him to like exchange jerseys with at the end of the right, game. Right, right, as he's right. done in other yeah. locations. Well, sure, yeah. location, sure, sure. He's, they've got Zach Levine. They've got Lowry Markinen. I would. Dunn, Robin maybe. Lopez would be my choice. Robin Lopez, maybe if you want to. But uh, no, uh, Wade exchanged jerseys with uh, Benny the Bull last night All after right. the game. Well, that's good for him. Um, so last <laughs> night after the game, I mean, we, there's not one player he wants to exchange jerseys with. Benny he's the team, Bull. Wasn't Benny, he teammates with Robin Lopez? Benny that's the right. Bull. Benny the Bull. He's a classic mascot. He's a great mascot. He wanted he wanted a Benny jersey to yeah, put up. Yeah, he wanted a his, Benny uh, jersey to put up in his the popcorn trick. Um, so... Here's the thing. Last night, the Bulls lose. We all assume and hope that they lose the game so you can get a first pick. Maybe a Zion Williamson. You watched Zion and, yesterday? And, yeah, right. He was outstanding. Oof. I did watch him. He was awesome. Um, maybe he can change the shape of the franchise. But here's Zach Levine after the game last night. Quote, something is obviously wrong. We weren't losing by double digits earlier in the season. We might have been losing, but we didn't even have a full roster. I don't know. We're a better team now, and we're getting blown out. It doesn't make a lot of sense. That's from your number one player on the team getting paid the most, taking a look at the team overall. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer tweeted last night as well. uh, With Fred Hoiberg, the offense was 29th in offensive efficiency, 22nd in defensive efficiency. Under Jim Boylan, the Bulls offense is now 30th in offense and 25th in defense. So not only have they slipped in offense, with players coming back, who are your better players, Markin and Dunn, uh, they have also slipped in defense, which is very alarming to me for a team of young players that you're looking to develop and look for the future. And clearly to me, it is with the head coach. Well, the simple fact is, if you have any Bulls question... Zach Levine has a question. I don't know what the problem is. There is stuff written about why is Larry Markkinen regressing this week? Why is all this stuff happening? Why is all this? The answer is there are two words for the answer. It's Jim Boylan. It's Jim Boylan. That's it. That's the answer. He's not running a system that's how you play the NBA today. You've got young players that aren't developing. You've got guys that just, why aren't they developing on defense? Because they just don't care. They just don't care anymore. Defense is effort. If you don't care, you're not going to play defense. Simple as that. They just don't care anymore. They've given up on the season. It's over. It's done. Watch college basketball games because you're going to be picking very high this year. Watch Zion and just hope that they get him in a pick and hope that the lot- the lottery is uh, rigged so the Bulls get a pick. So here's the question, though. If you land a Zion Williamson first in the in the draft, he's a Chicago Bull next year. Does that even fix the mess that this franchise is in? Like, because here's the only way it does. He has to be LeBron James. Yeah. Because if he's not LeBron James, if he turns out to be Sean Kemp with handles, that's not going that, to go that's very not far. going yeah. to change the outcome of the franchise for the long term. What will change it is if Zion is LeBron James, the next phenom that actually lives up to the hype that we are building, watching him play at Duke, then yeah, that could possibly save John Paxson and Gar Foreman and save the Reinsdorfs and save this franchise. Outside of that, that's where this is, is that Zion Williamson has to be LeBron James to save this franchise. Is he a back-to-the-basket type of player? I don't know if he needs to be LeBron, but he needs to be the next best to be LeBron, but he needs to be the next best 
player in the NBA. Right. So whoever that happens to be, yeah. and look, Giannis is is in the league waiting to take that take that mantle from LeBron when he's ready to give it up, or if you want to say Durant, you've got some guys there. But can Zion? leap over a guy like Giannis who's kind of waiting in the wings to become that next player who can who can you who you can build your team around to lead a team to a championship I don't know that it's a but you know what I'll be honest I don't have any trust or faith that the the Bulls front office can find any other way to do it well no that that's fair right but that's their only out and the problem is if he's not that sure I, how do you like how do you get pat like how do you move into a better position with someone who doesn't turn out to be that. Like, that's the thing that I think Bulls fans need to understand is just because you get a player like that, he now has to live up to this Mm -hmm. saving the franchise uh, mantle we're going to give him. And if he doesn't, you still have the same front office, same ownership that has put you in this spot in the first place. And that's where the lack of development this year to young players is a concern. Look, and I've said this before, at this point, I'm not getting mad at the Bulls' front office. It's Look, it's not their fault that they're still employed. And you know what? I don't even get that mad at the Reinsdorfs. It, you run your organization the way you want to. I get mad at the fans who still pay money and show up and fill the UC at this point expecting different results. You know what? As long as the building's full, there's no real impetus for them to change. You know what? So I'm sorry if you love basketball and you want to see NBA professional hoops, but you're culpable, too, for continuing to give them money if they're going to put this product on the floor. Absolutely. And just blindly believing that they know what they're doing. All right. uh, There's your Bulls fix because they are an atrocity. We was awesome last night, though, We're going to talk to uh, Josh Renier of 610 Sports in KC right after SportsCenter here on ESPN 1000. Let's go, Zion! This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. I haven't seen any decline, and I haven't seen him getting slower. So, I mean, he, that's not his deal. He's not going to run and do all that unless he has to. But, I mean, he's as accurate. He sees things better than even what he did when he was younger. I'm wearing glasses. He doesn't, right? So he, the age thing hasn't hit him. He's, he's an amazing guy. That is Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Talking about Tom Brady, their opponent today in the nightcap as the Chiefs host the Patriots. We're also uh, keeping an eye on Kareem Hunt right now. Adam Schefter tweeting, multiple teams interested in former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt, who is now expected to have a job sooner rather than later per source. And of course, this is interesting to Chicago Bears fans because we heard earlier on Monday, when the Bears met the media, we heard Ryan Pace and specifically Matt Nagy talk extensively about Kareem Hunt and the opportunity that might be there for him once he has shown enough contrition for a team's liking. But we were just discussing off the air. Look, it's one thing to say we know Kareem Hunt's going to have a job in the NFL because talent usually wins out Mm -hmm. and teams are more than willing to give a player a second chance but it will be very curious to see how this is handled because now that he's no longer on a rookie contract teams if they're if he's going to have multiple offers there's going to be in some sense a bit of a bidding war and i think bringing in kareem hunt it's one thing to publicly say we want to give him a second chance he's a talented player but bringing in kareem hunt when you have to pay 
something above league minimum that is heavily incentive-based because other teams are out there willing to pay a big number as well. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Kareem Hunt dynamic plays out around the league. And we'll be watching closely because we do know that Matt Nagy has a personal relationship with him. So, Bears fans, uh, it's a bit of a curveball that we're thrown here on uh, Championship Sunday. Not for me. I would have faith in my organization that I can find the next Kareem Hunt and mm-hmm. not have to worry about the headache or yeah. the PR. Not for me. That's a, that's the way I would run my organization. He's not a player that automatically guarantees you a trip to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He's not a quarterback. I move on. Sorry. Right. Second chances are great. Just not for me. It was not, w- not with my club. Certainly. You getting a second chance in life is fantastic. You're a football player. It's not like you can't do anything else with your life. You can do you can do whatever you want. It's just not for me. It's what look. I I, I always viewed it as it, it. He would be brought in by a team because he would be looked at as a market inefficiency because he would be brought in on a deal on the cheap. But it looks but if like you have to bid for that's him. The thing and is, outbid yeah. someone else. Let it. Let Especially it be. at that position. Let him go be a Bengal. It let, lo- you know, let him go play somewhere else. It looks like uh, it looks like it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. A man who um, got to know. Uh, Kareem Hunt from the Kansas City area because he covers Kansas City and the Chiefs for 610 Sports in KC. Josh Vernier joins us now on ESPN 1000. Josh, uh, we wanted to have you on to talk mostly about Chiefs and Patriots, but uh, since it seems to be some breaking news right now, just the the uh, interest level in Kareem Hunt around the league, I'm curious as to your thoughts about Kareem Hunt, seeing as how you had a first-hand look at him in Kansas City. Well, if we're talking of football strictly, he's um, a terrific addition for any locker room and any team on the field. Everything we ever heard about Kareem um, inside the locker room was he's a great teammate. Everything we saw of him on the field, he's a great running back. And this is the NFL we're talking about. It's not exactly a battle for the moral high ground in the NFL. It's what have you done for me lately? What can you do for me? How much money can you bring in? Can you help us win? And and to me, Kareem Hunt uh, can help you win. Uh, Kareem Hunt will bring in money because he likely will bring in victories. And to me, you know, 95% of NFL general managers and owners, that's what they care about in the end. They'll they'll pretend to be, um, you know, uh, so against the past act of Kareem Hunt, but as we saw here in Kansas City, they're willing to look the other way until it's a, there's a video of it to ultimately send him on his way. It's about production and the kid. He's still a kid. He, he certainly can produce. Josh, uh, we were talking about this earlier, is that uh, when we look at phenoms in sports, the way Patrick Mahomes, even though he wasn't a rookie this season, it was his first year of full playing time for the Kansas City Chiefs. The moment he stepped on the field, it was clear to us that he was one of the best players in the NFL, if not the best player in the NFL. Being there in Kansas City watching Mahomes this season, how do you guys view what he's done this season for the Chiefs? Well, I mean, it's historic. It's the greatest season any Chiefs quarterback has ever had, and it's one of the three greatest seasons any NFL quarterback has ever had. I mean, there's a reason why this city right now is entering a game against the New England Patriots who have been here for eight straight years. There's a reason why this city, which is only known heartbreaking failure in the postseason, there's a reason why this city enters Arrowhead Stadium today and got out of bed with their chest sticking out. There's a confidence in this city 
that look I've, i haven't even i've been here six seven years i've, I've never felt it I've, yes the royals went to back-to-back world series but there's i've never seen a player due to this city what patrick mahomes has done and in talking to lifetime kansas cityans uh they're saying it's right there with what you know a guy like george brett the kind of confidence he would give uh, what patrick mahomes has done for this city is completely changed their mindset from how are we going to screw it up to what kind of uh, unbelievable never before seen things are going to happen today what was the mood in the city and uh, of the team specifically after the loss to the Patriots? They kind of went blow for blow with them. There was only one punt in the game. They ended up losing the game by a field goal, but it was on the road. They weren't fully healthy. What was the mood of the team after that game, knowing that they may meet up, have this matchup with them in the playoffs later on in the season? Yeah, it was strange. It was almost as if, and look, no one would call it a moral victory, but the fans in Kansas City looked at it as a validation in their belief in Patrick Mahomes, right? Because at the end of last year, Alex Smith had a terrific year. Now, he was never beloved by this city. He was respected but never beloved. Um, This organization and this fan base uh, truly believed that Patrick Mahomes was going to be great, um, but it was still some uneasiness still. I mean, how, how sure can you be when you let a guy go that goes for 4,000 yards and leads you to two straight division titles? You let him get away. You hand the keys to a 23-year-old. You're confident, but you're not sure. Uh, as the season went on, uh, yeah, you became sure that you had that, that once-in-a-generation talent. And um, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. The thing that he has done for this city more than, than, than anything else is, um, again, erase that loser mentality. Uh, they, they enter this game as the favorites, and I think people around here believe they should be. That's, uh, that leads me perfectly to my next question, Josh. Josh Vernier of uh, 610 Sports and KC joining us here on ESPN 1000. The Chiefs have not been in the conference finals, conference championship game since 1993 when Joe Montana, of all people, was their quarterback. So I have to imagine, Josh, that the uh, feeling around the city is just a bit different. But I have to imagine there's still a bit of nerves because it is the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on the other side of the ball. Again, I, you're right. There, there's, a, there's a tinge of that. Um, but, but hosting a daily show on, on Monday, every, look, listen, a week ago, going into Indianapolis, because this organization hadn't won a whole playoff game uh, since Joe Montana in 1993. Um, so going into last week's game against Indianapolis, where, look, everyone knew the Chiefs were the more talented team. Maybe the Colts were the sexy pick a week ago. But here in Kansas City, I don't think there was the confidence that they have today a week ago. And that sounds weird, but... The, the stigma, some called it a curse, of we haven't won a game at Arrowhead in the postseason in 25 years. Who is going to exercise those demons? Once Patrick Mahomes, and I know it sounds silly, but once Patrick Mahomes and this team beat Indianapolis last week, it's, I mean, we heard people crying uh, on the postgame show. There, there's, you know, of course, Snapchat and Twitter. Everyone's crying. It was as if some actual demons were exercised, and that confidence is carried into this week. Last week was the nerves. It's now we have the best player in the NFL, and you don't, and, they, and you carry that to the stadium with you today. Josh, when you talk to your callers during the week, what was their biggest concern with the Patriots heading into this matchup? 
James White, Sony Michelle, the dink and dunk, a thousand paper cuts you did that. Because look, for, and this is how great Patrick Mahomes has been this season, is, is he has covered up what, for a large majority of the season, was the worst defense in the NFL, and, and he led them to the number one seed in the AFC. People here are still cognizant that this defense can be torched, has been torched by Tom Brady once, by Jared Goff, by Russell Wilson, by the great quarterbacks, and well, today you're facing a great quarterback. There, Yes, of, of course that could happen. Uh, Brady could just go Brady and, and perfectly execute the game plan and put up 43 points, uh, but the belief in Kansas City is, yeah, Tom can get his, but we believe somehow Patrick will get his 44 if Tom walks away with 43 again. How healthy is Eric Berry, and how much of a difference can he make today? Well, I, me and my co-host disagree on Look, I think Eric Berry can be... Um, a handful against the run. I think he could really help this team against the run, and they are terrible against the run. Um, he's also a coach out there, and they have a lot of young pieces in the secondary. He has gotten them lined up properly in a third of his snaps. There's, you know, him, him, him redirecting these young cornerbacks and safeties. Now, he's only played uh, 30 snaps against the Chargers, 60 snaps against the Seahawks, and that's it. He's not healthy. It's been reported it's a bone spur that rubs against his Achilles. That doesn't just dissipate. That, that's a constant pain that you have to try and fight through. He's been able to fight through it uh, twice. He's going to try to do it again today to ultimately get back to his hometown of Atlanta for the Super Bowl. Uh, he's not healthy, uh, but this is a guy that has overcome cancer. The, 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 ment- the mentality of, of this man is second to none. So if, if, he, if he suits it up, He's going to be able to grind through it and and truly help the run and help his teammates just be in the presence, the leader out there on the field. Josh, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. We will be uh, watching, I'm sure, closely with you today. Uh, 610 Sports in KC, we appreciate your time today. All right, boys, thank you. Uh, Josh Vernier of uh, 610 Sports in KC. All right, so uh, we got a little bit of time left, gentlemen. What do you guys want to do as we wrap up the show here? Picks and predictions. Everybody oh, really? anxiously no. awaiting our picks. <laughs> no, we've talked. Well, I mean, about, there, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing more hilarious in uh, sports radio than everyone having to give their picks. Like we, we haven't. We yeah. if you've listened to us talk about, it, don't, can't you kind of figure out yeah. where we're leaning? Yeah, here? yeah. Y'all know I want the Chiefs. Like I, 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 I bet I bet the Chiefs on Monday. Yeah. All right. So coming Even up money. next, we give you our picks for the <laughs> championship weekend here on ESPN 1000. Come on, Miller. See Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Jeff Meller, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah wrapping things up here on ESPN 1000. We've been talking championship Sunday all day long, and uh, we have a few more minutes before we unveil our picks. Oh, our picks. That everybody yeah. has been anxiously awaiting. Jeff, by the way, uh, also, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Chris. You didn't tell anybody it was your birthday this week. Earlier this and week. Then, How about that? Yeah, we all felt bad. How about bad this guy? Because we don't... Like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not on Facebook. Neither am so I. So I don't see... Oh, don't open that. Like, I have hey. a Facebook, but I never go on it. So you don't have a Facebook. So I can't get a birthday Absolutely. alert. Absolutely. This is for all you Facebook frauds out there wishing people happy birthday. Mm-hmm. All, mm-hmm. all proud of yourself. You get no credit. Yeah. Nobody in the world gets credit... For a happy birthday if they're on Facebook. It's really it diluted, just, the happy birthday. It absolutely has. And you know what? That is my test. Every uh, every year on January 14th, See who's I walk through friend. the halls, and I don't <laughs> tell anyone it's my birthday. 
if if you if I truly matter to you, you will have made a note. For instance, happy birthday, Joe McCardle. The yes. only reason I know it's Joe McCardle's birthday is because he shares the same birthday as me, January 14th. Otherwise, I would have no idea who, when Joe's birthday is. And See, I don't apologize. Abdallah, your birthday recently uh, passed. You, it all, I, I only, I only wish you a happy birthday because someone mentioned it on the day of. So I, your birthday was Tuesday, right? It was, the, it was Monday, I believe. Monday? Okay. Yeah. So on Monday... Abdal and I find this out at what, like two fifteen? No, no, no. You find out on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. Oh, the, I, the day I, yeah, it was the day after. Yeah. So the that's day why Abdallah got mad because yeah. I didn't. Yeah, and Abdal's doing his chestiness. I'm mad at you because this is a bit deal that you do. And I'm like, I'm like, hold up. I like Jeff Style because who cares? Exactly. No, I get that. We all. It's the one thing we all share in common. We all have a birthday. I get it. I get it. What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. That's fine. So why were you mad? Why were I you fake mad at you? Look, it was a nice so gesture. Well, I appreciate nice it. Gesture. That was, and I will say, it was sincere that I felt like it was sincere that you were like, oh, I didn't know your birthday was the what other day. So that, you know something? what? In some ways, that was more meaningful because you actually showed sincerity at, rather than an insincere, oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, big guy. So, yeah. So, uh, Speaking of birthdays. But, but real quick, for all you frauds out there who wish people <laughs> happy birthdays frauds. because you have a Facebook notification, you get no credit <laughs> Like, I want to just thank Facebook for reminding you it was my birthday. Yeah. You know what? Congratulations. You know all your friends' birthdays. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy you signed away all your personal information from now until eternity. Yeah. And <laughs> have, what? have that ten- been sold off to every entity the out there. The 10-year challenge was a facial recognition trick. Yep. yep. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Now they know. Pivoting now they the know. video. Yeah. Now they know. All right. Speaking Sounds of good. birthdays. So Paul Sullivan wrote, Theo, and this isn't uh, against Paul Sullivan. This is about what was said. Theo Epstein and Joe Madden are trying to bridge the generation gap. Quote, oh, every course. player is a millennial. Okay. Now, there has been Joe's reading this Millennials for Dummies book, and they're making this whole thing about how the, he's got to connect to the younger generation. I'm 34 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a millennial. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm at the end of the millennial, like, like the, the whatever you're generation. An elder, you're an elder yep. millennial. Yes, yeah. I'm an elder millennial. You, Jeff, I don't think you're a millennial. I'm on the fringes. You're I can, on the fringe. I, I'm a chameleon. I can be a millennial, but I can also be a Gen X. He's a millennial. Let me tell you something. If all of your players aren't millennials on every single team, you're doing sports wrong. Why would you have a bunch of 35-year-olds on your team that you can identify with? Of course you're going to have younger but Guess what? The other generation was like, how am I going to identify with Generation X? Well, you, you coach, they're good at sports. Coach them. What do you mean how you identify with them? Send, you're going to send them tweets? You're going to send them snaps? Yeah, it's, Coach it's, the team. It's some of the most... Um Idiotic conversation. How are I've you going to reach these and how about kids? This? Uh, all baseball, for the most part, are millennials, and you better be worried about Gen yes, Z then, yes. because that's what you're going to figure at. out. Millennials. Yes. Anyone under the age of twenty-five is Gen Z, at least, and that's even that's even younger. Here, Look, if you here's the key. Wait, 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 easily, here's the key. Anyone under twenty-five. That's when the players. Are, those are the players you want. Forget yeah. millennials. Those guys are gone. Yeah, they're not even important to you at this point. It's the Generation Z that you need to figure out how, how to communicate with. Two millennials are sitting on the sidelines because they can't get deals right now, waiting to sign. Look, if you old, I, they're old, right? 
If Old you millennials can figure out, trying to sign baseball is one contracts. of the hardest sports to get into because you have to go through the minors. You have to do all this. And that's why players like this are generally are generally older. If you can't coach people that have had the work ethic to sit in the minors and then eventually work their way up to the major leagues, that's a you problem, dude, not the players. Well, it's a society problem of always just blaming millennials well, because it's easy. Just blame millennials for everything. Oh, I got to get avocado a book. Avocado toast. Oh, all right. Is that what he's, instead of, a, instead of the petting zoo, he's going to have an avocado toast? Oh, oh that's tray. why he's right. right. yeah. That's going to do it for us. But first, our picks real quick around the room. I've got the... I'm going to take all the time away from you guys. Saints and Patriots. Chiefs, Rams. Chiefs, Saints. All right, that's it. Those are our picks. I hope you guys enjoyed them. Happy belated birthday to me on ESPN 1000. <laughs> Millennial.